Hello, just a quick bit before this week's episode to let you know that we have a Patreon you can subscribe to if you like what we're doing here and you want more of it. You probably already knew that. We don't stop going on about it. What you didn't know is that you can currently get a little free trial so you know exactly what you'd get as part of your subscription. You can head to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in the show notes to get your first seven days free. All you need to do is pick which tier you'd like a free trial of. The Biggest Mates tier is the one that has all the extras in it. And then for seven days, you are free to listen to any episode we've released in the last six months. You can cancel any time or just leave the subscription rolling if you like what you find. It's charged monthly. And during any month, as part of that Biggest Mates tier, you'll get ad-free episodes of this show every Monday. You'll get a brand new episode of our new Manic Street Preacher show every month. Two episodes every month of The Ultimate Playlist, our themed playlist show, where we talk about all kinds of different music, different artists, different genres, different eras, and one or two bonus episodes every month, depending on the length of the month. That's two episodes every week. There's also other tiers to trial. One that is just the Manic Show and ad-free What Is Music episodes, and another that is just ad-free What Is Music episodes. But hey, if the first seven days are free, why not try a bit of everything? Plus, all tiers include access to the exclusive subscriber-only Discord where we discuss the shows, the bands we've covered, various music topics, and loads of other stuff, including some games that the friendly community have devised themselves. So head on over to our Patreon page now to claim your free seven-day trial. Go to patreon.com slash whatismusicpod or follow the link in our show notes. See you there. What do we usually do at this point? I don't know. We usually, um, sometimes we talk about Manic Street Preachers. Yes, and sometimes we don't. Yeah, great. Do you want That's one the, That should have been the trailer. Do you want one fact to start us off? Okay. Just as like a little, even before the intro, just a little palate cleanser. Please. So, fact me, Adam. You know the drummer from the Manics? Nope. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. big into his, uh, to his wildlife. Um, All right, and he likes to go on walks and stuff. But he actually, he actually owns his own wildlife reserve. Yeah, and um, he like raises baby animals um, yep. until they're grown up enough to go back into the wild. I guess. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and he had a small bear, and he had a, and he had a small deer. And and it's you shouldn't pick favourites, you know, because he did like the cub, but he loved the fawn more. <laughs> Good. Hello and welcome to Do You Love Us, a critical analysis of the history, cultural impact, and music of Manic Street Preachers. I'm Adam Scott Glasspool. With me is uh, Lucas Way. Oh, he flipped around he the order today. I see what he did there. I don't like that. And no, I prefer it. Steve Murphy. Hey. Hi, guys. How are you guys? I'm all right, guys. I'm all right, guys. Okay, good. Yeah. That's good. Thanks, guys. Um, How are you getting on in your... In my ivory tower. Yeah. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> yeah, sure. It hasn't changed for me. I'm a key worker, so I'm going out every day still. Yeah. Uh, what about you guys? You make me sick. People like you make me sick. <laughs> going out in public, <laughs> infecting people. What about, they literally make you sick. What about you guys? Yeah, not too bad. Bored, but I can deal with being bored. It's boring, isn't it? Sure. I, just, I, really, I just really want to do up my garden and be in queues closed. What do you want to do to your garden? First world problems. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just really need to do my garden. I just need to do up my garden. Uh, there's thousands of people dying, but I just, I really need to do up my what garden. What do you like to do out. to your garden? Haven't you made yeah, your you garden like, complete, uh, your, like completely like 
hands free. You've got hands free garden. Do you mean because the grass isn't real? Yeah, so he never has to okay. mow. He doesn't have to <laughs> cut the grass. How do He's you know like my? How do you know my grass isn't real? You post it on like Instagram. Bluetooth garden, hands free. I posted on Instagram yeah. the fact that my grass no, wasn't real. No, but you real. posted like you were having a barbecue or something, and I could see the grass wasn't real, or you've kept it in very good nick. Fake grass, isn't it? Oh, it's fake grass. Uh, no, there's a whole section at the bottom of my garden that's all mud and needs to be turned into something else. There's a worm at the bottom of my garden. What's his name? I don't know. I've not asked him. Uh, what do we do? What do we usually do? This is well, a you... podcast where we talk about uh, Manic Street Preachers uh, from the perspective of me, a big Manic Street Preachers fan, Steve, a medium Manic Street Preachers fan who knew a few of the songs and you know whatnot, and Lucas, who had not really heard the Manic Street Preachers before we started doing this uh, podcast and actively disliked them, and now he's their biggest fan. Uh, so yeah. that's what's going on. We, Everything you just said about me was false. We are asking the questions: Does your listening experience with music improve with context? Does knowing an entire band's discography help when you're listening to individual discs in that discography? And most importantly, we are list- we are asking the question: Do you love us? And us, us. is not being me or Steve or. Uh, Lucas, us is being the band Manic Street Preachers. Preachers, um, yeah, because we, we don't need to ask people yeah. that because everyone obviously loves yeah, us. Yeah, exactly. And that yeah. introduction gets longer every time yeah. I do it. <laughs> so today, That's because there was a long bit about uh, fake grass in the middle of it. Yeah, exactly. Fake plastic mm. grass. I'm going to replace that as well with that fake grass, just so you know. With what? Real grass. Fake grass. With more fake grass. Yeah, it's just it's not in very good nick. Great. Cool. Today, we are talking <laughs> about the album, This Is My Truth, Tell Me Yours, the fifth album from Manic Street Preachers, yeah. uh, probably their biggest success. Well, this is part two, in a way. This is part two. Is we had right? a lovely chat with Neil Collins from the Welsh Music Podcast uh, that you will have heard a couple of uh, weeks ago, and if you haven't heard it, shame on you, because it was a lovely episode, and we enjoyed very much talking to him. Um, today we're going to go through the history and we're going to go track by track on the record, right guys? Uh, right, yeah. Backwards. Can we do it backwards this time? Why would we or do that? As Lucas Lucas likes to put it on shuffle, so should we do that? Yeah, let's just ah, stick it on shuffle. Even better. I mean, I have, to spoil it, I have been listening to this album on shuffle. Of course you have, because you're a cretin. So with that in mind, that we're talking about the Manic Street Preachers' fifth album, shall we talk about Kylie Minogue? Uh, I, I, can, I always want to talk about Kylie Minogue. Lucas talks about Kylie Minogue anyway. So we're in, we're in sort of like. Is this going to require, like, looking up pictures of Kylie Minogue? I don't think so. I'll just Google Kylie Minogue. <laughs> okay. Um, we're in 1997. The Manics have been very mm. successful, and Kylie, you know, you know, do you know about her career in the 90s or not? Oh, there she is. There she is. Do you is. know about the <laughs> Kylie's career in the 90s? Uh, it was quite good. Yeah, it was fine. Uh, obviously, like um, <laughs> she was mostly known for like bubblegum pop, kind of like the locomotive. Is it? Is it locomotive? Is her locomotion? Oh, the locomotion. Okay, come on, baby. And what was that one that do the she locomotion. did with neighbours? Didn't she, she do was one? She was on neighbours. She was on neighbours. She did she something was an with, actor. with Jason Donovan, a duet or something. Well, her and him were in neighbours together. Yeah. And then they, yeah, they did a. And song then they did a together? duet. But that, so that's not the theme tune to Neighbours. No. Okay. No, that's not. fine. 
They did. Um, <laughs> they did a punk cover oh, okay. of the theme tune to Neighbours. Cool. In the late nineties, she wanted to get kind of like more into the indie market and gain a more kind of grown-up audience. In nineteen ninety-six, she does a uh, duet with Nick Cave. Um, cool. Where the wild roses grow. Um, cool. And Kylie kind of. Uh, decides well who do i go to to get some indie rock street cred and the answer is of course travis <laughs> the answer is of course Main Street preachers yeah yeah so she gives um she gives some lyrics to james dean bradfield and he goes away and, and he and sean write uh the first single from kylie minogue's 1997 album did they really yeah so this is which is what this is called some kind of bliss i'm going to play a bit of it now That sounds like a manic song. Sounds like a manic song, yeah. Did she say the words, suck my eyes? Yes, she did, Steve. That's, I'd love to yeah. suck Kylie Minogue's eyes. That's a horrible, okay. That's a horrible <laughs> thing to say. Her and uh, Nicky Wire actually collaborate uh, on um, an album track from that same album uh, called I Don't Need Anyone. Here's a bit of that. There. <laughs> that's a Kylie song. That is a Kylie song. That's just Mannix. Uh, well, it was written, again, singing. yeah, it was written by James Dean Bradfield yeah. and Sean Moore. So when you say written by, not just lyrics, they wrote the music too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that them and playing on it? Yeah, uh, I think that's them playing. I think James Dean Bradfield produced those tracks as well. Um, they're both on that year's uh, Kylie Minogue album, which little tidbit was going to be called Impossible Princess until uh, Sweet Sweet Lady Die. Um, was was killed and then she just changed it uh, to Kylie Minogue because she didn't want to have the word princess on it. Now, Adam, you yeah. definitely just went was mm before you said was killed. <laughs> was that because you were going to say so. was murdered? I don't think so. It's not for <laughs> not for us to go into on a Man Street Preachers it's not podcast. For us to say anyway, the reason I started with Kylie Minogue is because I think that gives a really good uh, impression of how mainstream they already are at this point. Do you know what I mean? They're writing some pop <laughs> tunes. So she and it's came... Kylie big at this point. Well, hang on. Right. One at a time. Lucas. Is Kylie big at this point? Yeah. Of course she is. No, she's quite short, isn't she? Well, she's she is quite, famously like, tiny. But yeah, no, yeah. She, she's she's famous at this point. Yeah, of course. She wanted to get a little bit more street cred, so perhaps she's looking slightly outside of the mainstream, but not that much. But this is like pre-can't-get-you-out-of-my-head. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because that that's early 2000s, isn't it? Mm. But you know, it's my still, question still a household well, name. Um, was not a serious question, but she yeah. went to them 
Um, she went to the Mannix to ask. I think I think it came it came by a sort of like James was down the pub and fancied writing for Kylie, but you know Kylie was aware of the Mannix already, having uh, you know been asked to perform on yeah. Little Baby Nothing. That's that's what I was going to get to. Yeah. So there's always that already that connection there, isn't there? There is. Yeah. Just a little. But uh, she reject. She said no to that, didn't she? I don't think it even got to her. I think her management probably said no. But she would have been aware, you know, be, before, um, you know, before writing those songs and everything, she had duetted with them on Little Baby Nothing live a couple, of, you know, uh, in uh, in London or something. Anyway, the Manics are firmly kind of established in the mainstream. In August of that year, 1997, they headline Reading for the first time, which is uh, also where the infamous see-through blue camo dress is uh, sported by Nikki. Uh, I need to see that front cover of the Nikki enemy. I think maybe front cover Wire, of Mercy as well. Reading festival. Yeah, blue dress. camo dress. He looks amazing. Um, they play more or less the same set list as the Nine X um, thing uh, that that we watched, except they include a new song, which is called "Ready for Drowning," which obviously we will come on to later. There he yeah. is. I can't find it. Oh, really? Wow. Oh dear. I mean, that, that, is he wearing nothing under that? Yeah, you can just see his pants. Yeah, it's a nice little outfit, isn't it? There's not loads of history because Manics are a band that move like quite quickly. You know, they headline Reading in August 1997, and then in the same month they begin they begin demoing this album in London and recording some like B sides and stuff. One of them in, is a duet with Sophie Ellis Baxter. Remember Sophie oh, yeah, Ellis her. Baxter? Yeah, she was a ledge. That came out as a um, as a B side. Murder on the dance floor. Yeah, you better not kill the groove, uh, okay. DJ. Or I'm going to burn this goddamn house right down. Jesus, I found a picture of the dress. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that you can just see his like pants. He's just wearing his little pants, like blue little wide front. His little wide front. And and I also love that also in this picture is James Dean Bradford and Sean Moore just dressed as just like. Man, yeah, just, just like dudes. normal man, and <laughs> yeah. then you've got Nikki in the background wearing a see-through camo camo blue dress with the pants showing. <laughs> it's a good look. It's a strong, <gasps> good look. Nikki is growing on me more and more yeah, with every great. with every passing day. He's great. Yeah. Um, they use uh, Sound Space, um, which is the same recording studio they use for Holy Bible for a little bit they don't use it for the whole album because actually they go back to Chateau de la Rouge Motte what the gold against the soul place no the everything oh. must go uh, place but thank you for playing can you say that again it's the name of it Chateau de la Rouge Motte oh. yeah that's yeah. nice I think Adam's doing the silly voice to cover up the fact that he can't actually pronounce Chateau it Chateau de la Rouge well, Motte now fuck okay, off okay one nil <laughs> <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, they're with uh, they're with Mike Hedges, which there's no funny bits about. There's, he's back. Yeah, he's back. He's back. Back in the hedges, I think is what they originally wanted to call the album. Was it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, that's the same studio and producer as Everything Must Go. Um, and to be honest, right, they pretty yeah. much just bash it out in between September and December. Really, it's little Russell yeah. on the album at all. Uh, no. If they got Mike, if they got Mike Hedges back, surely you're gonna. You can't have the classic duo of Mike Hedges without. I thought we Russell. promised that we weren't going to talk about Little Russell because of what we did to him. Yeah, didn't 
What do we do to Nothing. him? Uh, no, he's fine. But there is a muddy patch at the bottom of Lucas's garden, as he said earlier, and I think it's about seven yeah. foot wide. And I think someone... There's no hedges at the bottom of my garden, so why would he? He wouldn't be down there. Okay, well, we'll just we'll just uh, we'll just leave it. How about that? How about we just don't mention Little Russell ever again? How about that? Mm, can't promise. They that. have a break for Christmas, by which point the album's mostly done. In January they go to Rockfield, which is a bit of a legendary recording studio, but they mostly record B sides. Now, one of those B sides ended up being on the album. Can you guess? which album track was originally intended to be a b-side if you tolerate this your children will be correct really (gasps) yeah straight away that was b-side yeah and i didn't know the answer that was a good guess can you imagine what a mistake that would have been that would have been a horrendous mistake (laughs) spoilers good song uh yeah yeah great song i mean we'll get on to the album uh, good song spoilers okay song Oh, is this going to be another episode where Lucas gets death threats? <laughs> it's fine, Adam. He can't hurt you. His words can't hurt you. Oh, they sting. <laughs> um, you should get checked for that. Yeah. The interesting thing, I think, about the recording process is that they basically finish in January, but mixing doesn't finish until June. So a lot of this album is kind of created in post-production. And I think you can kind of hear that on the album. Is that a long time? So I don't know how long it took. It took longer to, to mix than it did to yeah. record. Yeah, I mean, I suppose of. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it takes Adam longer to, to edit this podcast than it does for us to record that's it. True. Very true. Yeah, yep. that's true. <laughs> it's very true. Um, it's mostly mixed at Abbey Road and Air Studios, which is George Martin's studio. Um, and in August 1998, they released the first single, which is If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next. And it goes to number one. This is their first number one single. There you go. And this was the first single off it, you said? It's the first single. I have a feeling that after the oversaturation of Everything Must Go and how omnipresent the Manics are in the music industry at this point, whatever they put out would have gone to number one. Do you think so? I think so. I think enough people are buying their records that it just would have been number one. But it's amazing that it is that song with the subject matter that it's about that we got into a little bit last episode and we'll get into on this episode. Um, it also holds the record for the longest titled number one single without the use of parentheticals. Oh, that's interesting. What a it? lovely little fact. And it's the first. What, it still holds that record. Yes. I'm going to change that. Okay. But the, I do have a problem with that. I've got to write a, one, a number one hit record. Yeah, you do. And it's weird but... that you've just called it. If you tolerate this, your children will be next again. <laughs> It's called. It's just got the end again on the end. Yeah, yeah. If you tolerate so this, your ma- children will be next again. Yeah, <laughs> and that's how it makes it longer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's good. Uh, it was also the first number one by a Welsh musician uh, since 1985. And who was that? Would you want to have a Tom Jones? No, it was Shaking Stevens no. with "Merry Lovely. Christmas, Everyone." Banger though, isn't it? I hate that song so much. Although not I as much. Love I that always song. thought it was Paul McCartney because they've got quite similar vocal textures but um uh, i fucking hate paul mccartney's christmas song the moon is right. that is my favorite christmas song i no, awful. cannot stand it i fucking hate it it's awful i've seen it live it's i've seen it live performed by the man himself it's awful it, he brought out a, a choir of children and everything had they been practicing all year long probably <laughs> yeah to go to just they practice for a whole fucking year just to do this ding dong ding Dong, ding, Have you seen the music dong. video? 
Have you seen it? How does it's that take a fucking year to rehearse? <laughs> Children, you know, they're quite slow. You can literally. hear, you can hear Paul McCartney uh, giving up in that song. There's a lyric where he just goes, and that's enough. <laughs> it's just, you can just hear him going, fuck it. <laughs> Don't be too harsh on him because we're, we're, he's going to be a guest on this podcast. Oh, of course he, he is. Yeah, Paul yes, McCartney. He is. Yeah, he asked the Manics to support them, you know, asked for James Dean Bradfield to interview him. Uh, Paul, uh, sorry, Sir Paul, um, if you're listening, which he probably is. He likes think, the Manics, yeah, so it stands to reason he'd listen to our listening. podcast. Yeah, yeah. Come on the podcast. Come on the podcast yeah, and talk exclusively about Manic Street Preachers. I, no, I want to ask him all about the firemen. Yeah, yeah. Come, yeah. come on and talk about the firemen and uh, Manic Street Preachers and nothing else. I don't think he'd have much interesting stories to tell anyway. I can't, no, no, absolutely not. Much interesting. Not much interesting. He's not much interesting. (laughs) After a year off of playing live, the uh, Manic Street Preachers make their return in uh, in August of 1998. Um... And there is just a huge marketing push around this album. There's giant billboards that have the album title in Welsh put up in Cardiff. I like there that. Is... Do you want to try and pronounce that? No. There is okay. a midnight signing on the day of release and 5,000 fans turn up, some of who had they... queued for over 12 hours. Jesus. Like, were the Manics popular? They were fucking huge at this point, which is weird because they yeah. start as a cult band and they are a cult band now. But they were fucking huge. They mm. were like big boys. I always find that interesting when that happens with bands. What when they? I think I've said this when before, they peak and then like, they come it, down again. Yeah, like you hear a band that will headline Glastonbury, headline Reading, and nowadays those bands would not even come close to those positions. Yeah, absolutely. And instead, Manics are headlining the Victorious Festival in Portsmouth. They're not. They're headlining the second stage of Victorious. Good grief. Yes. <laughs> They're, a festival that costs like 30 quid to go I know, to. I know, it's, it's, you know. And it's in Portsmouth, which, as we know, is, you know, the dregs. They, they do, they do. <laughs> I mean, you, you, you should probably say that Hi, we're all from Southampton. Uh, yeah. We're all from Southampton, so uh, fuck off, Portsmouth. Okay, great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. On the record uh, as fuck off, Portsmouth. Great. Here you go. Uh, September the 14th, 1998. Can you guess what happens? September headline Glastonbury. Does it sound like September? September the fourteenth. I fucked up there, didn't I? September fourteenth, nineteen ninety-eight. Oh yeah, the yeah, the album gets released. What band released released the album? The the album was released by Manic Street Preachers. Hmm. What's the album called again? Called This Is My Truth. Tell me yours. Although Steve, do you think it would be better if it was titled Mrs. Tymuth Melty Tours? (laughs) No. Yes. What? Okay. Yeah. I think 50-50 that's 50 split there. I think that's a good title. Are you okay? Me? Yep. Yeah. He's had a he's had a he's had a, a bit of a I've beer. A that's beer. what's happened. <laughs> he's had one Half beer. A of beer. It's 13 tracks and it's 63 minutes long. It's a little bit too it's long. It's a touch too long in my yeah. opinion. It's no it's no generation terrorist which as we've discussed is too long. We haven't discussed um, that. I suppose actually now I'm thinking about it. Generation yeah. Terrorists. Mm-hmm. That is a long album, actually, isn't it? It, it is a long album, but also what? it's long and you know an what? album. It might be. It 
might be too long actually okay that album and then and then i'd say like the holy bible is probably about 56 minutes and 17 seconds too long as well very good That's great you, you definitely looked that Quickly up. Just that do up. That. <laughs> and then, and then this one, this one's just like a touch. Maybe like one or two tracks could be slivered away. Yeah, I think that's that's probably true. It's produced by Mike Hedges and Dave Ringer and the band themselves. Hmm. Um, and I, uh, you know, I have historically forgotten to do the quote that they include on the album cover. But but do you do you want to hear it? Do you want to hear the quote yes, for this album? Yep. The Furies are at home in the mirror. It is their address. Even the clearest water, if deep enough, can drown. Never think to surprise them. Your face approaching ever so friendly is the white flag they ignore. There is no truce with the Furies. A mirror's temperature is always at zero. It is ice in the veins. Its camera is an x-ray. It is a chalice held out to you in silent communion, where gaspingly you partake of a shifting identity, never your own. Hmm. Hashtag D. Yeah, that so, is almost as long as Generation Terrorist. <laughs> <laughs> so that is that is from R. S. Thomas uh, from a poem called Reflections uh, from his book No Truce with the Furies. Uh, he's obviously he is, and we'll, we're going to get into this. We got into it a lot on the last episode, but we're going to get into it again. This is a very Welsh album. R. S. Thomas, of course, is a Welsh uh, poet. Guys, give me your thoughts on the album generally, Lucas. Why do you want me to go first? Is it because your t- is it because your take is blistering no, hot? This is why. This is why I asked you to go first because I would have started talking then, and you would have just done it anyway over the top of me. <laughs> so <laughs> I would well, have let's gone. Test that. Go I on, you go, you go first. Hey! You go. You go first. Okay. Um, I when I first heard this album, <laughs> yeah, it was a bit. I was a bit disappointed. I was a bit, a bit disappointed know, after the after the high of. Uh, the last one yep. everything must go which famously i gave a very high score that's to. that's true and really enjoyed it's still going to be under discussion what score yeah, you still going to be under discussion it. i imagine yeah uh i was expecting more of that yeah and it, it is still you know it's it's still in that vein but it's a bit more mellow it's a bit less big with its anthems mm, it's a bit more subtle a, maybe as well a bit more yeah and, I, and yeah. at first i was like it's grown on me a lot more and there's a number of tracks that i really really like and there's some that i nothing fair enough i don't think there's anything on this album i dislike oh interesting it's tracks i like and then tracks i nothing interesting okay then steve Uh, so not as high but it's still better than you know some of the other (coughs) albums Sure, steve it was uh (laughs) definitely a grower for me absolutely um yeah i remember remember you telling me that the second half was very boring yeah so like the first couple of um listens i did I got so hung up on the absolute belters at the beginning mm. that I found the second half quite boring. However, that is an incredible like first half. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's a good run of tracks. Um, and it wasn't until like I really started listening properly to the second half. So like I, what what kind of changed it for me? I went on a lovely government-approved one walk a day. Lovely. I went on one of those, um, and it was. It was really nice outside Glorious Day. Um, I walked uh, through some woods and I had the album on, and um, and it just clicked. It was just really nice, and the second half is just so much more interesting. I would say the second half is more interesting than the first few tracks. Mm, I agree. But so that that's quite nice. It's got that kind of balance for me. Um, more but interesting, it, but not as enjoyable. Are you saying you prefer um, the first half in terms of? Balance? Well, it's now well now it's now grow on me, grown on me a bit. It's now grow on me. Yeah, <laughs> I mean the the best song on the album is on the second half, I think. So, and okay. when it is "Grow on Me," 
when it's grow on me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so um, I know what you it mean. It all just sort of came together for me, and I, I, I really appreciated the second half a lot more. Um, to the point now where I think um, tolerate and um, you stole the Jesus. Sun? Thank you. Tolerate um, and Jesus, and you stole tolerate, the son. If you tolerate Jesus, he'll steal your son. Um, <laughs> I don't think they fit that well on the album. Oh. Because I think they just really stand out. I disagree and... about tolerate. I think that fits really yeah. nicely. I guess so. I think it has... The problem, I'm sure we'll get to it when we go track yeah, by track. The problem true. with songs that's like true. Tolerate yeah. is cool. they yeah. stand out as, oh, it's that one because it's a yeah. staple. I, I had a similar reaction when I first heard this. Um, it was, you know, it was in my, you know, I can't remember what order I bought the albums in anymore. But um, I was definitely disappointed with this one because you look at the track listing and you're like, Jesus Christ, this has got If You Tolerate This and, you know, You Stole the Sun From My Heart. And it's got the everlasting on it. Those are all big singles, and of course, tsunami as well. And you think, you know, if the rest of the album is is like those, then we're in for another album of absolute bangers. And then it's actually a very sad, mm. slow album. You know, a lot of it is decidedly very mid tempo. Do you know what I mean? It's also yeah. largely about depression. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's largely um. about Nikki, who's depressed. <laughs> Huh. <laughs> aren't we all uh yeah but also that you know in going through researching for this and and in conversation with neil not just uh in the last episode but in 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 conversations i've had with him previously this is a very not just a sad album but an incredibly welsh album like and i think i said last in the last episode like all the way from the title through to the music um, the title is a quote from Welsh Labour politician Aníran Bevan, who is the founder of the NHS. Um, big up. Big up. Exactly, Lucas. Um, and Nicky heard it playing over a tannoy. They were playing one of um, Bevan's old speeches when he was, um, I think he was, he was on top of a Welsh mountain in the rain celebrating 50 years since Bevan founded the NHS. Um, the cover is is a is a beach in Wales. Uh, the quote is a quote from R. S. Thomas, and Nikki has called it the first true Welsh folk album. Now, what do you think about that, if anything? Um, so he obviously doesn't mean folk as a music style um, in terms of like the way it sounds, but like the way does. it's sort of storytelling. Yeah, exactly, because that's what kind of that's that is, I guess, what folk music is, and it's only recently yeah. that it's meant acoustic guitars. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, banjos and waistcoats. Yeah, <laughs> I'm describing Mumford and Sons, I suppose. I got that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but there's, you know, yeah, the, almost all of the songs have like a connection to Nicky and his place in the Welsh landscape, um, mm. and of course, this is the first album with lyrics only by Nicky Wire. Oh yeah, as because Richie was on the last album in some way, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, and the next album has James Dean Bradfield's first ever lyric on it, so it's actually one of only a few of their albums where every lyric is written by Nicky Wire. Um, and there's also like just that the the, the thing the thing that put me off um, when I first listened to it is the thing that I now really like about it is that it's so different to Everything Must Go. You know? Yeah, I um, made the... Like, I think I just expected this to sound a lot like Everything Must Go. Mm. I don't know why. I think it's just because it has 
well, number one think, tracks on it. Yeah, and also a lot of bands, when they find the style that ma- makes them mainstream or works for them, they tend to stick to it. Yeah. And also, Adam had said to me, I think you're going to like this, the, the next couple albums yeah. when we talked about Everything Must Go. And so I figured, oh, that means the next one's going to be Everything Must Go too. Electric Boogaloo. But I, mean, <laughs> but I mean, you know, it does have things in common with Everything Must Go. Let's, you know, yeah. it's still ostensibly a pop album. And I don't know why. Nothing, nothing on this album is as good as some of the highs of Everything Must Go. Imo. Uh, I, I would disagree I with that, but I see where you're coming from. But, but it does have like, you know, where, where, where Everything Must Go was euphoric. It's, it's just been kind of replaced with like sadness. Which, which has always been there for the Manics, I think, because we've talked about it a lot. You said that on the very first episode, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you did. But at this one, it is it's very much at the forefront of the kind of texture of the album. And, you know, Everything Must Go has got loads of layers of distorted guitars. And this has got lots of layers, but it's things like organs and horns and Wurlitzers and melodicas and Chinese instruments and synths and stuff like that. And sitars. Yeah, electric sitars. Mm. Just sort of interesting, excuse me, just sort of very interesting uh, arrangements as well. Yeah, it's nice that they were, it, maybe it's a very manic thing to do, but when they became big, they still wanted to do experiment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Obviously, I know that happened with the Beatles, but... Um, uh, who? You know, no. Paul McCartney and the others. Wings. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Wings. Yeah, Wings had yeah. Like, that experimental um, <laughs> period, I suppose, in, in the uh, in the 80s. Yeah. 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 Did they have a song called The Beatles? Maybe Is that's that an experimental it. Wings song? Is that what you're saying? Hmm. 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 We did something last time um, amongst ourselves outside of the podcast that I really enjoyed, which was... We don't want to talk... We shouldn't talk about that. No, not that one. Okay. The uh, the things where where we try and guess uh, each other's favourites and least favourites. Oh, yeah. Okay. So hang on. We're not going to say which our favourites and least favourites actually are. We're going to do that okay. when the tracks come up. But we are going to talk about what we guessed. So, Lucas... Are you expecting us to remember? Do you not remember? Nope. Okay, great. Lucas, I guessed that your favourites would be either... The Everlasting, or, um, or if you tolerate this, I think I think that I went with like safe uh, guesses, which I now realise I think I'm I'm wrong about. And my least favourite? Uh, I didn't I didn't guess your least favourite. I just guessed favourites for you, and then you guys guessed least favourite for me. <laughs> okay. I think, I think my, I think your favourite you're going to say if you tolerate this, your children will be next, just because the way you talk about it, you're like, oh, it's just obviously it's that song. But you think that's, do you think, that, you know, similar to Design for Life, do you think I think that that's the best song on the record or that it's my favourite? Oh, are they different? <laughs> I think you like Born a Girl. You think that'll be my favourite? Not yours, Lucas's. Oh, okay. okay. You think I like Born a Girl? Yeah. Okay. I, I think Steve. Something's telling me probably... Black Dog for Lucas. Steve likes. Is it the fact that I said no? You've said why you think it's Black Dog because I said I think that's your least favorite, yeah, and, and you said because we are always opposed. so opposed, yeah, must it must favorite. be that. <laughs> I think Steve likes tsunami. I think I think Steve likes. Um, uh, oh, I think St- I think Steve likes the Everlasting or My Little Empire. Hmm. Hmm. 
I mean, I like them all. Okay, great, cool. Uh, <laughs> they're yeah. all your favourite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, with that in mind, shall mm. we actually like get down to business, as it were? Yeah, let's let's get down to business. Okay, Adam. cool. To defeat the Huns. Ready? song first criticism go on genuine, genuine. well he's welsh <laughs> knew you were gonna say it knew you were oh, gonna say very that true. Yeah, <laughs> he's true. welsh so yeah. the first track of the last two albums has opened with a song with an annoying pronunciation of a word <laughs> he doesn't pronounce quiff badly and adam actually explained why that was irritating genuine it's, it's still yeah, genuine. <laughs> genuine he's welsh he feels more comfortable singing in his welsh accent now well, now I feel like a complete arsehole, Adam. <laughs> that's, how, that's, that's how the Welsh accent uh, pronounces genuine. 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 Yeah. Genuine. I guess you're right. Um, cool. I really like this song. <laughs> yeah. And Good song, it's I such like a bold opener for an album. It's like over six minutes long. Yeah. It's slow as balls. Yeah. Um, and it's just great. It's really good. And I was about to say, yeah, like that's the first track. Yeah. Um, it's not like an anthem at all. I used to always skip it. Really? Because yeah. you just wanted to get to the the meat. I think I think it is an anthem. It's just not. You know what I mean? It's not though. upbeat though, is it? But that chorus is huge. Yeah. The this is exactly what I thought Manics were like before I did this podcast. Oh, interesting. Did so this the sort of thing I imagined? Did you recognise this song at all? Nope. No. Okay. It was quite a big single. This is one that uh, I like. This- like when I first heard it, rang a bell for me in terms of like, oh, I remember this being on the radio. Nah, that didn't ring a bell for me. But yeah, it's exactly the sort of thing. Was like it's like an anthemicy song, but not as big and bangerish as mm. say everything must go. Yeah, it does Which... start and end where it sounds like they've forgotten to turn the metronome off. When well, recording. I, I like <laughs> that drum sample again. It's just another yeah. signal that they're going to be doing stuff slightly Different. differently. 
yeah. and that uh, little I'd... subtle tremolo guitar. The wah, 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 yeah, wah, tremolo's wah, wah, wah. nice. I don't really like the line in the beginning when we were winning. What do you think it's about? Uh, I don't. Well, I I I vaguely know because I looked it up, cool. but. Uh, but also, it just seems like a weak. Line. It seems like the sort of line that a talentless fuckwit like me could write. You mean in like when people rhyme um, night with morning light? Yeah, it's yeah. just like in the beginning when we were winning. I like it. Well, You're wrong. I, I really right. like it. I think it's uh, you know a, a universal feeling. And Nikki's lyrics in general are a little bit more simple. They're a little bit more simplistic. Yeah. But I think it's very mean sad, isn't it? Just as much. And I, I think that this uh, this song's about the band. Okay, it's another, they say we again. another you love us, yeah, sort of thing. Um, oh, I thought maybe it could be about like losing touch with a person. Yeah, can be, can be. I think. Well, I think you know it's about losing touch with a lot of things. I think this album is is the past. Yeah, is is about is about a lot of that and and sort of isolating yourself from things. But this idea of like them, um, you know, when our smiles were were genuine when, when you know when genuine. being in the band was fun oh man yeah um, okay and and now it's and now it's not, not. <laughs> <laughs> and also the line i don't believe in it anymore pathetic acts for a worthless cause i've always seen as them sort of growing up and shrugging off the sort of sloganeering and spray painted t-shirts and the mad stuff that they used to get up to and how they but he does still do that because he wears a see-through leopard print blue dress. He does, but they're not like you know they haven't got someone in the in the band who is carving open their forearm yeah, in front of and journalists, I guess... and they're not you know having fights with the fans at the moment or anything. You know? Yeah, and I guess wearing a silly dress isn't the same as wearing a t-shirt that says absolutely not. And I don't think I don't you think know... you could discard it as a silly dress either. No, because it's fantastic. Which we will which we will get onto later on in the album. We we will. But also the 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 uh, the line the gap that grows between our lives the gap our parents never had is it's touching on like alienation right this idea of like losing touch with something or someone which is something that in the in the early career of the Manic Street Preachers they celebrated you know uh, culture alienation boredom and despair and they always sang about alienation as as something to be celebrated right but here it's um it's like a mournful wistful nostalgic kind of feeling that they're no, no longer celebrating isolation definitely wistful is a good word wistful when Wist. i first heard this i just figured i was like oh i wonder if the person who wrote this song had been through a divorce mm. oh, really? but it turns out not but no. i wouldn't have been surprised if you'd said oh this song was written after uh Nicky Wire's divorce in the beginning first, when we were winning when our smiles are genuine yeah I can see what you mean and like the gap our parents never had but no no no, no. Yeah. that's all you know it's just, it, yeah but I'm wrong he did he has so you know, <laughs> I, I, it's, he has I think you've already told us actually he's been married to the same person forever he has yeah but also he Legend. at this point he has recently lost his best friend yeah which I know you know um, we're on sort of the, the second album after the disappearance now but it, obviously it's still a big thing for Nicky, you know, th- th- this is this is the first album where he doesn't have the collaboration at all because even on Everything Must Go, there were Richie lyrics that he could edit or contribute to, and he's very much on his own now, which again is another theme of isolation. Do you know what I mean? I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of um, Tender by Blur. Oh, really? In what way? Um, 
like both, both how albums, it sounds both yeah how it sounds they're quite slow and not something that the band was necessarily known for at the point at which they came out uh they're both hit singles both of those albums came out the same year and they're both the first track on their respective albums there you go yeah tender is about seven mm. minutes long or something jesus yeah there you go uh his voice is unbelievable on this song he's good he's powerful he's a good singer yeah which is you know it's good that they hot, make him the singer of the band take. isn't it? yeah it's a really good th- good thing he was the singer isn't it yeah because he's the one that can sing yeah yeah can we also talk about my favorite this, this is not my favorite song on the record but can we talk about my okay. favorite moment on the record okay which is the solo it's so good i'm gonna play a bit of it now of course you are hang on So when you said a bit of it, you meant all of it. Oh, la la. It's a big bender. It, <laughs> <laughs> it, shut up. Bender. The, the, oh, the, the way he bends those notes, that solo is, is, is very good. It's very sad. It is. What it is. I've never, um, never really rated solos as a way to get something emotional across. But that solo feels very emotional to me. Yeah. Definitely is. Yeah. It's good. It's good. I, I mean, I also like this. I guess what I like about the song. Is it the strings? I think it might be that. It's got some <laughs> lovely strings on it. In case you were confused as to why I was smiling there, I didn't. I just noticed you changed your name on Zoom to Ooh La La after that. <laughs> well, I think Lucas did that because I've just noticed it as well. Oh, okay, right. <laughs> um, I mean, I think that's just such a, a brave way to open the album. And then is followed cool. up with sure. uh, this song. Let's uh, let's play. Um, yeah, let's play this song. Will be next, will be next, will be next, will be next. 
fucking banger. <laughs> it's a good one. I disagree that that song is just okay, and I disagree that it doesn't uh, fit on the album. So no, you're right, it you does. Explain yourself now. No, uh, ignore me. I think that the, it's it's got that same kind of serene kind I of guess feeling. what I was trying to get across is that because they are just so monumental on their own, it's odd that they're on an album as a full piece. Yeah. Does that yeah, make yeah, sense? Yeah. yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah. yeah. Good good song, that. I really like it. It's not, not my favourite on the album. Lucas. <laughs> Lucas, what are your thoughts on this song then? We are, I understand you have some kind of hot take. I don't have a hot take. It's more just that it's... Uh, I've written... The, my first note it says Invisible Song. Interesting. Do you think that's because... Meaning, because it's just... If you tolerate this, then your children will be next. And it's, right. like, it's I've heard song. it a thousand yeah. times on the radio, never knowing it was the Mannix because I was eight yeah, sure. or whatever. And it's just a song that is just so part of whatever, part of the fabric of the universe. Sure. You mean like if you were to listen to I'm Gonna Get This Completely Wrong? Um... I've not heard that. Who's that mm-hmm. by? Doesn't is matter. that by Wings again? Yeah. Must be another Wings um, hit. If you were to listen to the album with Smells Like Teen Spirit on it on, or, oh, fuck, I can't even speak. Yeah, it Smells Like Teen Spirit is just Smells Like Teen Spirit. Yeah, you wouldn't. Yeah. But you even wouldn't... more than that, because I've probably heard this song 20 times more than Smells Like Teen Spirit, because yeah. it was also on the radio when I was a child. But then does that, like... does that stop you from sort of appreciating the song for well, what it's it is? More that or... I, find, I find it harder to like look at it objectively yeah, compared to the rest of the songs on the album, which I don't know, because I'm just like, yeah, oh, it's this one. Okay. Like, I know it inside and well, out, we even do, though I don't. Should we do a bit of a, a little bit of background on it? That maybe that. Like I'm not saying it's not a good song. It is a good song, but it didn't impact me in any way because I'm just like yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas Next I um, learned to, I actually did then listen to it with a critical ear and realise how great it is. Like yeah. it, it made because of this podcast, it made me listen to that song as as a as a piece of music rather than just that thing you heard on the radio. Yeah, yeah. Times. I agree. I agree. Well, I guess you're just better than me then aren't you <laughs> yes i am better than you thank you jesus i'm trying to get that across for episodes Guys, and episodes it's now it's inspired by the spanish civil war uh there's not a lot of number one so are you yeah i am often um there, there's not a lot of uh number one hit singles uh that are so ubiquitous that are inspired by the spanish civil war uh the, the title if you tolerate this situation will be next is from a propaganda poster of a, um, a pi- I think I believe it's a picture of planes and a dead child, uh, and it says, "If you tolerate this, your children will be next." Nice. Um, and that is from the uh, Spanish Civil War in 1936. A revolutionary Spanish government, uh, with popular support, was crushed by a right-wing general, uh, General Franco, who had he had aid from fascist Italy and Nazi Germany. Um, this is obviously pre uh, World War Two. Um, I find that the interesting thing that this song does is it takes something from 1936 and then uses that to then talk about modern day events. And which is, I mean, it's still prescient now. It's still, it's still prescient. Absolutely, we're we're seeing a kind of rise of of fascism again in in a lot of places uh, around the world. But the thing that is different, and we we talked about it with Neil uh, on the last episode, is that people would travel to um, aid the fight of the Popular Front and the Communist International and the CNT uh, in order to fight against fascism. That they would, you know, travel from 
around the globe and formed something that was called the International Brigade. Um, and I think part of what the song is doing is questioning whether or not that would still happen today. Um, I wouldn't go. You wouldn't go? No, absolutely not. But I mean, people can't stop going out to the beach to have a barbecue when they're told to stay inside. <laughs> so I so I don't think people would go and fight a war. <laughs> Probably He's not. in the state of me, I wouldn't. <laughs> so that, that line, um, if, I can sh- if I can shoot rabbits, then I can shoot fascists, is from a Welsh farmer who was going to join the International Brigade, which is uh, solid as fuck. Uh, uh, yeah, I think. <laughs> and there's obviously the line in there. Did you pick out the line? I've walked La Ramblas, but not with real intent. Yeah, yeah. So do you, do you know what La Ramblas is, Steve? La Ramblas is street is in Barcelona. Yeah, it's where a lot of fighting uh, would happen in the Spanish Civil War because it was a okay. CNT stronghold. And it's sort of that's Nicky Wire saying, "I've also, you know, been on that street, but for completely different reasons." Yeah, and um, I'm not sure that I would have gone to that street had the fighting been taking place. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've walked along it, pissed out of my head. Have you? It's probably different. <laughs> oh, well, that was on the holiday that I didn't get invited to, wasn't it? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, sure. neither did I. I didn't get invited yeah. to that either. Unbelievable. It's <laughs> interesting. Unbelievable. <laughs> and uh, obviously, gravity keeps my head down, or is it maybe shame? This idea of like you know being shameful that he wouldn't do those things. Uh, it's an interesting lyric, and it's made more interesting by the fact that it, it was a massive hit single. And in a similar way to A Design for Life, you had loads of people kind of belting it out at concerts or whatever with potentially no idea what it was actually about. Yeah, I mean, just the lyric alone, though, is terrifying, isn't it? If you tolerate this, your children will be next, and everyone's just got their hands in the air going, yeah! Do you, do you find um, that, like, scary? Because I, I find, find it really it... sad. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's true now about, like, climate change. Yeah. But you could say it about pretty much anything, climate change. If we put up with it, then the children will be the ones that yeah. die. That, it, that is true. Um, Tell you what I do like about this song. Go on. The, him squeezing in monuments into that one syllable. Monuments. Great. Monuments put from pens. Yeah. That's good. It's, <laughs> it's great. JDB contraction, as you call him. You like to call him JDB. JCB. Yeah. Um, I just love... Remember the JCB song? Yeah, by Nisloppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that live, wasn't it? Yeah, same. Yeah, at the Wedgwood, at the Wedgwood Rooms. Yeah, I think I was at that gig. Yeah, with we you. were at the same gig. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get invited to that though. They started no. in the crowd, didn't they? Mm. Yeah, cool. Mm. I just, I just went because I wanted to impress a girl. Yeah, uh, yeah, same. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> You guys all right? Do you need a minute? The uh, I, I completely forgot that I'd uh, gone to that gig and I completely forgot about that song. It's very odd. Mm. Um, we drove home from it and one of us had to go in the boot of the car. No. Fascinating stuff. <laughs> yeah, because we I think d- I got didn't the train. have enough space in the car. Oh. I think I got the train. So. Well, then I don't know who was taking up all the space in the car. It then, was the stranger in the boot. Why would you assume that I would be <laughs> taking up all the space in the car? No, no. I mean, we had too many passengers in the car, right. and so someone had to go in the boot. <laughs> um, I kind of. Uh, what, what do you think about this song musically? It, I think it seems quite safe. Is that yeah. wrong to say that? I've written plodding. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that's just because it's that steady drum beat mm. through the whole thing, or I don't know. Um, but yeah, it's, I think uh, it's the it's the vocal melody that drives it. Yeah, for um, sure, for sure. 
So I don't think musically it's that interesting. I don't know if I'm going to get shot for saying I don't think that. it is. No, I think you're right. I, the, the chords are really simple. They're um, mm. uh, and and it is. It's the melody, and and it's. It's not necessarily a criticism against the song. No, absolutely not. But I, I, I think, think I works. think it strikes that balance really well, being between like euphoric and sad. Because mm. I think that the melody isn't the most euphoric thing until you get to the chorus, um, and that big like and has always sounded like he's just sighing to me. Like he's yeah. going... Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Which I think fits the song really well. The idea of like... Because it's about apathy, isn't it? The song, kind of. It's about not yeah. standing up for something yeah, that yeah. you might believe in. Um, cool. Little piece of trivia. Uh, James Dean Bradfield said he wanted the song to have the sound of a comet screeching through the sky. And then he went to go and have lunch. And uh, <laughs> and when he came back, that's what I, I think Dave Erringer had come up with was that that intro, the wow. Okay. Is it, is it is that that's it, isn't it? That's quite good. Yeah. Do it again. Doesn't. Yeah. I wouldn't say that sounds anything like a comet, though. I mean, I've never it's, heard a comet personally. I mean, it's not not. I mean, yeah, <laughs> we've not heard. I it. mean, I've never heard a comet. Have honest. you heard of Curry's? I've mm. seen the film Armageddon. That's, I think that's very scientifically accurate. Hmm. All right. Are you ready for the next song? Yes, I am. Lucas, are you ready? I was born ready. I'm, but are you ready now? No. Okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll just take, we'll take a couple of seconds. Yeah, I'm ready now. Okay, good. had this but this is my least favorite track on the album is it though is that because it does stand out compared to the rest of the track it's because i hate it do you really i really dislike this song why quite, do you dislike this song quite that's wrong it can officially fuck off why? is it because it's getting is the it, official I'm... stamp of adam says fuck off now adam <laughs> you don't like it when songs are lazy and just repeat stuff that's not uh, necessarily true 
but well, you said is, you made it, that complaint about some other songs. No, you and is it that you said you, a song that annoyed you on the last album annoyed you that the second verse was just the first no, verse again? I, it didn't annoy me. You're talking about a design for life for a start. You're talking about a design Mommy for life. Mummy and Daddy stop fighting. It didn't annoy me. It just it makes me feel like oh that's that's a bit. Uh, it's a bit. It, it's it's just a marked difference between everything must go and the Holy Bible. This one can just fuck off. It's just Why? really boring. No. Okay. Mm, it's, it's all right. No. It's quite, it's good. Oh, it's not. It's just... Because when I am in my car and I've got this on mm. and I'm screaming along to the chorus, <laughs> it's great. Um, you, you guys had a had a problem with the, the chorus and Kevin Carter for just being yeah. Kevin Carter, Kevin Carter, Kevin Carter, Kevin Carter. Gotta yeah. say, I have this problem here. You stole yep. the sun from my heart. You stole the sun from my heart. You stole the sun from my heart. Oh, you stole the sun from my heart. No. Nope. You stole the sun from my heart. No, that's wrong. It's just boring. The second two, the last two times he doesn't say my heart. Oh. So it's, it's different. Wow. Yeah, it's different, <laughs> isn't it? It's yeah. different. Uh, th- this is one, Adam, where in the very first episode when you were like, I think there's more songs you'll recognise uh, that you don't realise that you know. Yeah. Uh, and you listed some. You listed this song, and you were right. You what? You you uh, didn't know this was Manix, but but you did recognize it. And I heard it. it, and I was like, oh, <laughs> and so did my fiance Hannah, because she was in the room when I first put this album on, and she was like, oh, I like this song, yeah. and I was like, yeah, apparently a, I do it's too. A big, it's didn't a big know it's Manix. Aimed squarely at the plebs, obviously. Aimed <laughs> um, squarely at the filthy <laughs> fucking plebs. How? How do other Manix fans that aren't you feel about this song? Um, I think that uh, broadly... Neil liked it. Broadly, yeah, people like it. I think that um, because it's so kind of... It is it is dull. It, it's, it's the same two things pasted together again and again and again um, until the end of the song. It just sort of ends. Um, and I I think for that reason, people are very bored of hearing it live. Especially, oh, they're wrong. Oh, see, especially when, when we see them in December, and it's my first time seeing them, I'm gonna well look forward. to Oh yeah, I'm sure you life. will. But like, yeah, you know, I'm gonna when, put you on my shoulders. At this point, they're thirteen. Oh yeah, do that. <laughs> <laughs> they're thirteen albums in, and that song could be making its way in the set lists for something a bit more interesting. Lucas has put his sorry put his hands in his head there as he realizes that we've got another like what is it like eight albums after this? Yeah. I didn't know they had thirteen albums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well they've been going for <laughs> And we're on number five. They've been going for thirty years, Lucas. Yeah, I know, but they could I thought maybe they'd have a break or something. <laughs> maybe they'd had a break. That's one of my good th- one of my favourite things about the Manics is that they've never broken up and reformed. Uh, I mean, like Coldplay do every three weeks. Yeah, the drums are sampled. Oh, we're taking a break. The drums are sampled from a pinball machine uh, that was really? that was that's, in the studio. That's quite um, cool. That's about the most interesting thing about it. Okay, there's a couple of couple of literary Anthem. quotes in there. Obviously, no real truce with my fury comes from the poem that we mentioned earlier by R.S. Thomas. And I paint the things I want to see. I think is like a bit of a contraction of a. Picasso quote, which is, "I don't paint the things. I don't paint things the way I see them, but the way I think them." Which I think is a nice quote. Um, but for me, no thanks. Uh, I wrote, and I don't remember why I wrote this. I wrote, "Are the lyrics about uh, a girl who you love but is bad for you?" But now I'm reading the lyrics. I don't remember why I mm, thought. I think that's that. that's fine. I think it's about something. I think it's about being in love with something that you find difficult. 
Um, there, there are some some suggestions that Nicky wrote it about his dislike for touring. Yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah. Also. I've got to stop smiling. It gives the wrong impression. But I love you all the same. Could be about touring. I tell you what, I like the lyrics. I think yeah, you stole the sun from my heart is a really means nice nothing. lyric. No, it means I nothing think, though. No, you stole the joy out of my life. You know, you've you've taken yeah. all my happiness away from me. Would that have been a better song? You stole the, the joy, joy from, from my, my life. life. Is that better? No, no, it's not better. It's the same. That's the thing about the it's song. S- it's the same. <laughs> <laughs> But I'm wondering why I thought this was about a girl, because there's nothing in the lyrics to imply that. Drinking water to stay thin, was it that? Or is it to purify? Uh, I love you all the same. Uh, Probably because he's saying I love you, right? Mm. I felt like there would have been I'm more lost among the undergrowth. I'm lost so much so I woke up. I love you all the same. Yeah, I can see. Uh, really boring song. But you guys, you guys obviously respond very well to it. I don't th- again. I don't think it's particularly doing anything interesting. It's I a just big think the chorus is jumpy, just... pointy, shouty. Exactly, yeah. big belter. Yeah, and I respond to that. I think. Yeah, well, I think I do actually quite enjoy it live, to be honest, for the big pointy, jumpy, shouty moments. But I don't think it fits on the album. Pointy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not enough to make a song good though, just because it's good, jumpy, pointy, shouty. No, I agree, and and also I, I just don't think it fits on this album. I don't mm, think it go. fits. I don't think given that I will be seeing them in December for the first time, I'll enjoy it live because it's a jump. Yeah, sure, and and I'm assuming that you you enjoyed it on the album as well. And I and I don't have that thing that you have, which is that slot could be filled with a better, deeper cut. Because would you feel I'm, that way about about Muse though? Are you getting a bit oh, fed me, up of? Um... Yeah, I'm fed up of like eighty percent of the set list yeah. because I wish they'd just play B sides, <laughs> but they would never do that. But I'd love it. I'd have a great time. How, how livid are you going to be if in December in the Cardiff? Motorpoint Arena, Manix don't play any of their singles and just play B-sides. I'll be... Well, I, the thing is, I would still know those B-sides because we're going to cover That's them. true, although we might not have by that point. So I'll still... I mean, I'm going to know every song in the set That's list mad, because we're going to cover... That's mad. You're going to be the biggest cool? Manix fan there. Mm, um, but you won't know any of them. No, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be going... Oh, should we doing what that? song's that? What song? <laughs> okay. Why do I sound like Peter Griffin in your mind? Hey, guys, this is my favourite song on the album. So 
It's good, isn't it? It's really, really lovely. Um, I like that he uses the words Venetian blinds. I look through my Venetian blinds. And um, <laughs> it makes you wonder how many other bands have written about <laughs> Venetian blinds. And I'll tell you, it's 143 songs. Oh, wow. Um, most most noteworthy, um, Here It Goes Again by OK Go. Um, but obviously the list will include covers, which I it's quite ridiculous that you've asked me to go that far into it. I don't have the time yeah. for it. Um, I also like the, the little fill before the chorus. Yeah, that is good. Yeah, and is he is he a friend? Is he a friend of Little Russell? (laughs) Little Phil. Little Phil. (laughs) (laughs) Um, this song had had the most predictable (laughs) little. Little little Phil. I must have (laughs) I must have summoned him by saying his name. He's one foot tall. (laughs) Hello. (laughs) What are you guys talking about? He's very grumpy. Phil, Phil, why don't you just fuck off? Why don't you fuck off, mate? Well, I'll stamp on you. I'll stamp no, on you. Oh, oh, I'm going. I'm going. I'm going. <laughs> he's gone. Wow, that he's was. Um, oh, fuck. I'm going to fucking knock him out mm. next time I see him. That's a little film. There you go. Uh, a little little riff in this song yeah. that goes. No, 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 no. Right? Yeah. It's so predictable that when I first heard this song, the first ever time, I did it along with the song. <laughs> I just heard the chorus and then I went no 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 no. I was like, oh, that yeah. was actually in the song. Yeah, it's just so predictable. Yeah, this it's, is it's, a song. That, I remember. Um, I remember you describing your love alone is not enough as tradish. Yeah, because, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and this is very tradish. It very tradish. That, like, it has that descending thing that people always do on the bottom strings of their guitars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, a tradish yeah, riff. Yeah, yeah. yeah, for sure, a tradish. Very traditional. Yeah. Um, I really like this one. Is the organ at the start real? Because it sounds like it's coming out of a Casio keyboard. It could be. It could be synthetic. They used a lot of it's... like synthetic or uh, like organ sounds and stuff on this album. Yeah, it sounds like sort of secondary school uh, like yeah. music class. You I, go on the organ sound. I really like that because it gives like quite a sterile sound, mm. which is something but... I really like in in a lot of albums. It's definitely. It... It feels like, I feel like I know this one before, but I don't think I did. I don't think I had heard. Because it's got a really tradition riff in it. It's Maybe really it got is. That riff. No, 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 no. The chorus is Yeah, the chorus is good. Is insane. I realise that the last two songs I've just said, I like the chorus. <laughs> <laughs> and sometimes I prefer Mr. a verse, Mr. Plebman. But yeah, well, that's the thing is, is I think that the verses are also really good here. And and do you want to do? Should I... we do a little dive on the lyrics, guys? Yes, I know please. We, we... I, but just go on. Sorry, Lucas. I don't really rate this song. Okay, overall. well, fuck off. Um, no, I'm j- <laughs> why not? Why not? As in, it's not. You know, I don't hate it, but it's just. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. It just doesn't move you. Know, you. It doesn't grab you. It doesn't. It doesn't grab. Okay, me. a good song should grab you right by the uh, scruff of the balls. yeah scruff of the balls right yeah. by the scruff right by the, right by the ponytail exactly. Have you got a ponytail I've... on your balls? Anyway, I famously have a ponytail. <laughs> so there, we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, but I'm going to go over it because not everybody will listen to our amazing interview with with Neil. Um, the the lyrics seems to be kind of about three things. A couple of them we touched in the last episode, which is the idea of the Welsh kind of drowning their sorrows with alcohol, which happened to Richard Burton, uh, a Welsh actor, and Dylan Thomas, the Welsh poet, and also is very specifically about something that happened in 1965 when uh okay my pronunciations are going to be awful here 
the Twerin pronunciation. Twerin, oh, God damn it! The Twerin Valley was flooded to create a reservoir of water for Liverpool, and it included the village of Capotelin. Uh, Capotelin? Uh, I don't know. I honestly don't know how to pronounce these things. Um, and I think, like, let's get Neil back. Like Neil was saying, like um, at low tide, you can see the steeple of the chapel. And um, during yeah, that really surprised me because I didn't realize they literally just flooded. I figured they like bulldozed the no, town they first. Just flooded and, like, the whole valley. They just flooded the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And during a drought, the, the whole village begins to rise out of the out of the reservoir. That's mad. It's really like eerie and quite like ghostly. And of course, I mean, I definitely would love to see it. Yeah, so I mean, it sounds. Did they uh, uh, very like, evacuate the? the village yeah steve they didn't just yeah they didn't it. commit mass murder they didn't just <laughs> I don't know. the inhabitants of the village <laughs> imagine getting that letter through your door by the way you might want to move out there's blood in you <laughs> and well, there, your house. there were protests though, in it? liverpool you know from the people who lived in the valley and everything saying they didn't but, yeah saying they obviously you know well, please don't, happy please about don't it, flood my house yeah, uh, please don't yeah. turn my house into a reservoir yeah. absolutely mad that is crazy it's crazy yeah um I want to see obviously it. Obviously, that's, you know, Neil alluded to it as well. It's where um, the reason it has that organ sound is because it's the organ from the chapel. Um, and it has a, a keyboard sound at the beginning that's quite ghostly. And I find this song to actually be really eerie when I'm bearing in mind that context. And then the first verse also alludes to something that happened to Nicky when he got into a taxi around the time that um, Richie had disappeared. And the taxi driver didn't recognise Nicky and started talking to him about a musician who had jumped off the Severn Bridge and drowned. Oh, no. So that's where all that stuff from... Here's a true story, said someone to me yesterday, said he'd heard it in a taxi. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. And I also love that, again, James is just a bit more comfortable using his 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 accent in singing, and so you get the line, uh, said he heard it in a taxi, which I really like. I just really love this song. I think it's the strongest thing on the album, both in content and in um, the way the content is presented. I think that the verses are really pretty and the chorus is really anthemic. And I love, um, I don't really want to mention his name again, but I love the little guitar bit before the chorus. There you go. That's the way around it. Um, yeah. The one that you pointed <laughs> out, Steve. Um, yeah. Um, I'd go to Patrick. Patagonia, but it's hard to get there. And then um, it's harder there. Harder to get there. Fascinated by good, destroyed by evil. What is there to believe in? Good lyrics. Good lyrics. IMO. And of course, we talked about Patagonia. But uh, Welsh immigrants moved to Patagonia in Argentina and Chile in the mid uh, 1800s. And the landscape is sort of bleak and impossible to farm. And Nikki chalks this up to the self-destructive nature of of the the welsh psyche apparently like drinking and and doing things like going to a place where you where most people wouldn't be able to survive um yeah i mean yeah there are still welsh speaking settlements in argentina very interesting this is a song i think i probably enjoy more lyrically than the actual song like the story is really interesting and cool and i want to read the wikipedia page about yeah. it but the actual song itself just doesn't do much doesn't. for you musically yeah doesn't do much for me musically. Okay, fair enough. It's got it's got that little uh, quote. Uh, did you hear the spoken word in in the the middle eight? I'll bring the whole edifice down on their unworthy yeah, heads. Yeah, from Richard Burton's character mm. in The Medusa Touch, which is a film from 1978. I just love that the Manics put in cool. little things like that. 
Um, like that. And I think that's, you know, that's one of the things where Nicky was talking about this being a Welsh folk album. And just exactly like you said, Steve, that's a very Welsh story. You know, the yeah. the flooding of the valley, as as well as there being other references there. Um, and I'm going to use the same segue as I did on the last episode. This song, Tsunami, is also a Welsh kind of tale, a Welsh folk tale, if you like. Okay. Okay. I look forward to hearing that. It's interesting. to my favourite track on the album. Oh, oh I was right, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, how come? Talk to me. Uh, Speak on it that. It is, first of all, the sitar, I think is what is on it, is great. Yeah, the electric sitar. Playing that little, little, uh, little melody. And yeah. the fact that that goes just all the way through the verses and all the way through the chorus. And it, I, I really love that. I don't know why. Um, Do you know what my favourite thing about the sitar is? Go on. It's introduced as the only instrument, and you get used to it for a couple of bars, and then you realise it's on the offbeat when the drums kick in. Yes, yes. That's Although, my favourite um, thing about I it. I remember you talking to me about that, how it, it surprises you. Oh, that's it, and then you can't hear it any other way. Yeah. Because I now can't hear it how I first heard oh, it. Oh, yeah. You, yeah. Does it's that like the who. You won't get fooled again. Yeah. What? It's an interesting story behind this song uh, as this well. This story is cool. Do you want to tell it, Lucas, or shall I? I can. I'll give it a give bash. It a bash. I don't know anything you can, about and this. You can, and then you can correct right. me. So it was a, a couple of uh, Welsh twin no, sisters. No, they weren't Welsh. Good start. I thought they were Welsh. They grew up in Wales, but they're Caribbean immigrants. Okay. Who refused to speak to anyone apart from each other. And they had their own little made-up language that only the two of them knew and used it to talk to one another. Yeah. Correct me when I'm done. Let me do my <laughs> telling. <laughs> For reasons that I'm not clear on, they ended up in Broadmoor Institution, which is a, a, a institution for the criminally unwell. Isn't he the drummer for Manix? Which I don't get what they did. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure what they did to warrant being put in there. Uh, but basically, they agreed that neither of them would ever talk until the other one had died. Mm, wow, that's. And incredible. then, when the one of them died, the other one sp- out loud spoke and said, "I'm free at last, liberated, and at last, Jennifer has given up her life for me." Yep. 
and apparently that hit her like a tsunami. Yes, which is wow. what the lyric is 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 about. Um, Thanks, genius lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so they weren't they weren't Welsh. They 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 were Car- they were Caribbean, and they moved over as part of the uh, part of the Windrush generation, actually. Um, and they they were kind of ostracized at school because they were the only black children in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like Lucas said, they had their own secret language that no one else knew, and they'd only talk to each other. They were completely silent unless they were talking to each other. And they also um, would mirror movements and expressions when communicating. So it would look like wow. just sort of one person looking into a mirror. Uh, th- the reason that they ended up in Broadmoor is because they committed... Uh, a series of minor offences, including light arson. Doesn't really warrant being put in Broadmoor, I feel. Well, it was because What's of light arson? Uh, just a little fire. Just Pro- a little I th- one. I don't actually know what light well, it's arson is. No, it's, no, it's light arson's when you're the person who lights the fire. You light arson. Good. Good. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I think it was because of their presentation, you know, the, the silence and the... Um, supposed self-imposed language self-imposed language and this idea that um, they they eventually became convinced that one of them had to die in order for the other one to survive and I think it was that kind of presentation that meant that they ended up in a high security mental health facility which is what the line that you like Steve disco dancing with the rapists is about because they would you know at Christmas parties they'd be rubbing shoulders with Peter Sutcliffe and Dennis Nielsen, who we talked about in uh, Archives of Pain as two, you know, particularly horrible serial killers. Um, They also wrote a book of poems called September Poems. In English? Uh, Yes, I believe so. So they did communicate in text form. Yeah, they were both... Just vocally uh, they made their... They were both quite creative. And yeah, like you said, the tsunami refers to a wave of relief and i think that nicky's not only telling that story but he's talking about himself as someone who has just been separated from one of a twin so and is he talking about how, when he says himself what he's talking when, about richie richie they, they were both yeah. known as the glamour twins and at this point mm. nicky would have been released from you know like a, a collective identity, sort of him and Richie, and is now able to express himself as himself. Do you know what I mean? So I didn't know anything about this story, and I just had it, the song just down to crippling depression um, and like the tsunami's anxiety and depression washing over you. But then at the end, it says, Take the GIs, I have the spies, which made me maybe, made me maybe think it was maybe about PTSD. However, I'm wrong. So No, I think no, because I think that there's a lot of stuff in there as well. Like um the line doctors tell me that I'm cynical, I tell them that it must be chemical. Yeah. Is I, I that that led me to until I researched it in the last few weeks to think yeah, this song was about a tsunami of depression. Yeah. Yeah. The last line, take the GIs, I will have the spies. No idea. Fair anyone enough. anyone wanna hazard a guess? Nah, uh, no one's no one's commented on that ingenious lyric, oh so I can't God's give you anything. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I got no idea. I got no idea. Uh, the the closest anyone was able to get online when I did the research was that um, June and Jennifer Gibbons, the twins, were obsessed with uh, American culture, um, 
and the idea of being at war with yourself or everybody else it's tenuous at best but yeah i don't don't know what that line means and and there'll be a few more songs on this album where i don't know what nikki is fucking talking about <laughs> um, yeah. this song also in my opinion suffers from kevin carter syndrome because it's tsunami tsunami yeah boring boring verse but not but, chorus. but then you didn't have that problem with you stole the song from my heart no, because I just enjoyed the song. I just more. think that that uh, th- isn't he the drummer of the nice... Preachers? <laughs> song more. Yeah. That's good. Um, <laughs> I don't know, but like the idea of a, a tsunami just washing over you—it doesn't say like crashing or obliterating you. It seems quite like uh, yeah, like a release. Like oh, it's just washing over me. Mm. So I think that um, imagery is quite nice, even though it's just repeated over and over. I liked it. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm just talking about musically speaking. I Fair find enough. it quite boring. The yeah. verses I enjoy, and I enjoy the sort of latter uh minute or so when it all gets a bit bigger mm-hmm. obviously they in- incorporate even more strings which <laughs> i like isn't he the uh, drummer of manix more, more strings, strings. No, even, um, more. even more no evan more no that's sean's brother okay good one um but uh, the cor- the choruses I generally am, but it's a bit like. I I have a take on the album that uh, almost every song is like one chorus too long. Nice because okay. thirteen tracks shouldn't add up to over an hour, really. I'm just like, looking through them. Like the none of them are, are under four minutes. Yeah, oh, no. exactly. Yeah, the, no. the songs are quite long. I think you could get away with the last chorus of Tsunami and be perfectly fine. Same with If You Tolerate yeah. This, Your Children Will Be Next. I think you could get also, rid of the actually, last chorus. Tsunami is three minutes 50, so I was wrong. Okay, well. Yeah, um. and also <laughs> after the second verse, there is then no more lyrics that aren't just either in between or the chorus of Tsunami. So yeah. Yeah. See the drummer mm-hmm. of Manic Street Preachers? What are you saying? No more. <laughs> this is so tedious. <laughs> Christ knows how the listeners feel at this point. There isn't any. It's fine. Oh yeah, of course. Um, I, 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 it, it's one of okay. So tsunami and everlasting are both songs that when I originally listened to this album, I would skip because I found them to be very dull. But now I think this song's quite summary, and I it, now I very like them. Well, I already gave you the summary. It's about the Good twins one. who yeah, didn't yeah. Uh, talk to anybody. Well, you didn't. I, gave, I actually gave that summary yeah, well, as well. Adam, I gave, us, gave you the summary, Steve. So that's yeah, probably yeah. why you're thinking that. Can you give me the wintery? Uh, let's do My Little Empire. Unless you have any more hot takes on Tsunami. Good song. Oh, God, Jesus Christ. That's a hot take. Okay song. Oh, Jesus. So hang on. So Lucas. So far, we've got Everlasting. Good song. Yeah. If you tolerate, okay song. Um, good song, good song, but it comes yeah. with the baggage of it being that song. You stole the song from my heart. What? Good song. Okay, uh, ready for drowning. Okay. Okay. Tsunami. Okay. Okay. So, do you prefer the second half of this album to the first? Um, no, I just think I like half of about about half of this album in total. Okay. Well, no, when I say like, there's nothing. There's no songs I dis. I don't dislike Tsunami, and I really like the sitar, and I really like the verses. Mm. I find the chorus boring. Yeah, okay, no, that's that's. And yeah, I really like true. the ending. I like the last, like I say, I like the last minute when it all gets a bit bigger, more strings. Wonderful. Sure, yeah, that's real Lucas uh, territory. I, I'm more just saying. I'm more just saying. It's like a good. It's okay. It's good. It's not like hell yeah. Problem is, I've now seen the dizzying heights of Everything Must Go, and <laughs> dizzying heights. And I'm now worried that it's all downhill from here. Um. Uh, it might be in terms of how much you know like 
anthemic rock there is, but they have yeah. some very interesting albums coming up. Also, when does Dan Hill join the band? Oh, is that a little, is that a little cello? Oh, cello. song Ooh, interesting mm. yeah i yeah, really like that song it's a song that feels it, it does actually kind of a little bit feel long and repetitive but, and it um, sort of feels like something off of an album that i don't know like, totally before you finish that adam no, just to prove doesn't. that i probably had the same idea as you is that it's another song that just sort of disappears like black flowers on the last album like it's how long yeah, it's four minutes yeah but it it does seems to just disappear right I, I black could, flowers I could, was I also a song in that song for ages yeah, I love that song. Yeah, I really like that song, and I really liked Black Flowers as well. Yeah, for the similar yeah. reasons. Um, it's got that great uh, guitar riff, which was inspired by John Frusciante. Yeah, lots of cool little licks in this song. Of little like the red hot chili peppers, um, and Nicky sings. He does. Nicky's Nicky's doing the backing vocals. My yeah. Little yeah, there you go. It's in the background. Um, I'm happy being sad. Adam. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That one gets me every time. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy being sad and like all sick of my of sins sick. are attempt to, are attempts to fill the voids. <laughs> and oh all God. of my voids are filled with sin. Lovely, yeah. <laughs> lovely yeah. lyrics. Yeah, I actually chuckled at that one when I was listening to it last. It's, it's like, all right. <laughs> 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 it has a really nice melancholy feel to it. Um, I think it does sound holy Bible adjacent. I think it sounds the sort you? of well. It's you know it's it's bleak, it sounds bleak. I think I know what you mean. Like lyrically, maybe all my sins are attempts to fill the voids. All my voids, they're filled with sin. That sounds like a richy lyric I've ever heard it. <laughs> but then, yeah, but it wouldn't fit on that album. And it's like, like no, and it's the song's just quite dreary. Like I wouldn't. Uh, I don't. Uh, yeah, I know what you mean. It's it's a bit of. Like you could get away with saying it's a bit of a dirge, 
maybe. But I think there's so much like like if if you're ever bothered, just listen to the right channel because James Dean Bradfield's basically just doing a solo over the whole song. <laughs> there's loads of little guitar licks. Yeah, I like all the on. lickies. All the little lickies are fun. <laughs> lickies. You like the lickies. I like the little look? lickies. <laughs> And like nice little just like slow cello throughout the song. Yeah. Which, that you know, as famously a string instrument. So I quite like that. Of course, that. yeah. An instant <laughs> 10 out of 10. Yeah. You know the guitar is a string instrument, right? Yeah, but it's different. You pluck it, don't you? Okay. Well, you can pluck a violin. And well, I mean, that's why I like Siegel Ross, because they play a guitar with a bow. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Instruments you must like, be bowed Do you like the plucky pluckies? I went to a uh, a ballet um, a few months ago where someone was bowing a, a xylophone, or and it was it was great. It was great. Wow. Yeah, a really eerie sound that is. Um, um, on the front cover of this album. Yeah. What's the little arrow lightning bolt? What? Have you just got a watermark on the image that you've got? Yeah. What are you talking about? Well, on Genius Lyrics, there's the picture of the album. Yeah, it's a thing to do with Genius. I'll tell you yeah. what, have a look at it, though, because doesn't it look like Nicky Wire has wet himself? <laughs> right. <laughs> yep, it right. does now. This is my And James proof. is going, oh, for yeah. God's sake. Now we've got to walk all the way back to the car to change yeah. <laughs> your trousers. <laughs> <laughs> Sean's just looking at the puddle. Yeah. Uh, now I need to find a good quality version of the picture. <laughs> oh, give me a give me a second. <laughs> All right, let's pause while Lucas uh, finds that so that we can. Uh, oh, because of the shadow. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just looks like he's done a nice big wee, <laughs> and James has seen it and gone, oh, oh for and he's looking up into the air <laughs> as if to go, not again. <laughs> uh, is this a song we all universally agree is good then? I think so. Yeah, there's just something the about it, you know. It's great. Um, uh, it's just yeah. There's something so sad about it. I also like the the dual layered vocalness. Yeah, the dual layered vocals. I think the lyrics are that. really good. Um, yeah, bit, very like, very quite, sad. Quite simplistic, good. like you know, but 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 also quite clever in their simplicity. The I'm sick of being sick, and I'm tired of being tired, and I'm bored of being bored. I'm bored of being bored right now. This Whoa. bloody lockdown. Bloody oh. hell. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it seems broadly to be about, um, I think I think people have said addiction and Nikki's obsessive domesticity and how he feels isolated and his kind of borderline OCD uh, tendencies. I've always seen his, you know, an, an empire is something that you can... It's something that you control, you know. One controls an empire. So I've always seen it as Nicky talking about either like his house, his mind, yeah, or or his house, or yeah, mind, yeah. That's his sort empire. of uh, his realm of control. Also, um, I'm, I'm I'm happy being sad. Is that saying being sad is good because it's better than being worse than sad? Yeah, could be. Or is it saying? I like being sad. I wallow in it. I I, I think it could be I either. I, I, I've always read it as the second one. Yeah, same. I wallow in the sadness. Yeah, and also finding some comfort in 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 a in a sad feeling or, or comfort in a very reliable feeling, like you know how you're gonna feel that day because you're gonna feel sad. 
And that's, that's very, very sad on its that's own. Very that, doesn't, that doesn't sound very nice. That sounds unpleasant. Yeah, yeah. Is well, depression unpleasant? Um, <laughs> uh, yes. Oh, it's yeah, just okay, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I feel, you know, I, I can talk about that because I work, you know, I'm a key worker who works with people with depression and mental health issues, but also I currently take medication for depression and mental health issues. And yeah, depression, I wouldn't recommend it's bad, isn't it? Yeah. It's not a good one. But I do recognise that feeling of I'm happy being sad because it is predictable kind of, and reliable. Yeah, and I, I I sort of read it a bit as sometimes it's nice to have a bit of a sulk. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's see, not you as, love a sulk. You've talked I about do. this on the podcast before. You love, if, you, if you're in a bad mood, you will really dig into that bad mood. I oh, really, yeah. Stick yeah. on, stick on some same Radiohead thing of, or some Nick Cave. Think, yeah, but Sit like in a dark seeking room. out... <laughs> Seeking out music that can emphasise that same feeling. Mm. I quite like sometimes just being a bit sad. Yeah, Do you think this is going to be one of your new go-to I Feel Sad songs? Yeah. This is a good oh, wallowing nice. song. Yeah. Have yeah, you got a, Steve, will. have you got a Spotify playlist of wallowing songs? No, I don't. Should I just call it one called Wallowing? Yeah. <laughs> great idea. I mean, we've talked about this on mic before, because I don't do that. You two both say you do do it, and I don't. Do do. If, I'm in, if I'm sad, I will... I will try and claw myself out of it, mm. not mm. not enjoy the wallowing. You know, obviously, I, I tried to do that when I was younger, but um, as I've gotten older, I think I've just come to terms with the fact that um, that it's okay to feel sad and it's okay to feel whatever you're feeling, really. And sometimes you do just have to acknowledge that you're feeling something, sit in it for a little while, and it will kind of pass and that sounds really trite and that's not what I'm trying to do I'm not trying to impart advice or anything but I think I've learned that me personally trying to claw myself out of like a depressive period um, just ends up actually doing more damage than sitting in mm. it for a little while yeah oh that got cool. uh, that all got a bit real it's a fun episode <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect this one to be so sad but here we are um Shall we listen to... Put on the worst track on the album. I, okay. Oh, this is your least favourite, is it, Steve? Yeah. Uh, Lucas has forgotten what this well, song no, is. Well, no, this, 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 exactly. I yeah. you know don't it. know what song I'm about to hear, which sort of says something. I will say that um, My, I, I've my just Little heard Empire um, ends that run of, like, pretty much, you know pretty much bangers since the word go on this album like the first six tracks are pretty pretty great um great songs i think agreed okay, also this yeah, next well, song's yeah, too long it's input. five minutes and 51 seconds long
never before have I tried so hard to like something and oh, okay. and, ju- and just come up completely like wanting. Do you know what I mean? I mean, it, yeah. it goes to show about this song that normally uh, the three of us are doing some kind of silly singing along, air guitaring with songs yeah. or whatever. And the three of us all just basically stared off into space and looked bored. I picked up my um, phone. Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it's terrible. Um, I can't get into it. I, I really, I, same as you, I wanted to like it. Yeah. Um, it's got... It's got a cool mix of instruments on it. I think there's like a sitar again as the Chinese instrument on this. The Yang um, Xin. And I, but I've got down here, I bet Adam loves it. Really? Um, it well, just sounds like I've, a Radiohead B-side to me. It's yeah. all, and it's nearly six minutes long. Yeah, it's way too long. It's it's pretty I mean, dull. And like I say, like you said, the, the instrumentation and the fact that there are lots of synths and it sounds big and spacious and airy and the fact that it's pretty much a brand new sound for the Manics are yeah. all things that I find interesting but the song just doesn't it doesn't give me anything mm. yeah right, should we move on I next like song this <laughs> on the end of his words oh that's a I bit that's of, a bit I do like that's that's what I've written what does he do not at the end of his words the, not a fan of this on the words but I bet Adam loves oh, that oh yeah because it it's it, he says it on evaporates and it his, his, his word literally evaporates he says slowly my soul <laughs> evaporates which I think is a cool little touch. Yeah, it's it bo- again, borderline ambient. This uh, this song, which again is something that I'm very into. It yeah, should, I love a bit of ambient. I love a bit of background chill, thing. and it just isn't. Um, I like uh, delirium on helium. Yeah, good. And uh, my own experience. I ju- actually, I do think that these are some of Nikki's strongest lyrics on this album as a whole. Um. It just does nothing for me, and and I feel bad because I feel like we should we should give you know every song uh, a dissection and and a, and a fair shake, and um, you know we should talk about it a lot. I've got nothing to say about this song, and I think if it were up to me, I'd take it off the album. Mm. Mm. You definitely get the the um, length down. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any any more thoughts on I'm not? No, working. I don't actually. I think musically it is interesting and um, I don't dislike it. That's not, yeah. Is it all of our least favourite songs on this album or Adam, do you hate... uh, I I uh, dislike um, You You Stole the Song from My Heart Heart more because I dislike that song and there's nothing interesting about it. Whereas I kind of dislike I'm Not Working but there's interesting stuff about it. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) The thing about this song... Okay, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> is is it tried something, but it it wasn't working. Right, exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that split second before. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> you got got.
fucking great chorus that song. What yeah. a yeah, what a big epic sort of banger. Really, really claws back the mood from the last song. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I really like the echoey, reverby vocals, it, and it gives like a really vintage feel. It feels like it sounds like sort of the fifties. Does that make sense? Yeah, Do you know no, what I mean? Absolutely. That echo yeah. um, on the piano as well. Certainly, I was going to say I certainly helped by the piano all the way through it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that song. Again, I've another sort of uh, interesting arrangement from the Manics. Like, not not the kind of thing you would necessarily expect them to be doing off the back of Everything Must Go. Yeah. And let's talk about chord changes, guys. Oh, oh go on. Oh, let's do They're very unusual. They switch between um, major and minor, minor and major. Yeah. really frequently, um, which, which leads to... Um, a lot of tension and release and give and go, which I think really, again, helps the chorus because that chorus is huge. Great um, sounds chorus. a bit Scissor Sisters for me. Uh, do you know what's funny? <laughs> uh, I actually put in my notes, not Scissor Sisters, I put um, Maroon 5. <laughs> wow. Uh, I actually said this song made me think of Maroon 5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I do get it. Yeah, it is a bit. I kind of bit, get what you mean. It's just teetering on 90s light pop isn't it yeah it's that piano for me it was the din 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 and made me think of maroon five <laughs> tell you what though fucking cracking whistling solo by ken barry by who ken barry oh wow they had go. to bring in a professional whistler so uh, i've been finding myself singing that chorus a lot in the last yeah, few days it is big it's a big one um, um lyrics are good um, fucking sad again though like um, yeah I feel like it's 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 like contemplation like it's reflecting on life at the end of it definitely um, and but like the lyrics at the end really hit me and I actually got a bit choked up when I um, listened to it um, drift away and die never say goodbye I mean yeah. right now the stories that are coming out about what's going on around the world that people aren't getting the chance to say goodbye to their loved ones I'm getting yeah. emotional now talking about it um, it just yeah it would just it just really hit me as that and it sad fucking shit man um yeah absolutely yeah, although i think that the person that they're talking about um in the song yeah. the you as it were is someone who has kind of chosen to end their life maybe interesting okay you're, you're tender and you're tired you can't be bothered yeah. to decide whether to live or die they're just given up yeah yeah definitely really yeah just given up but yeah yeah, it is. Like there's a lot of stuff wrapped up in it about sort of loss and pain and death. And I think, you know, Nikki is obviously dealing with a lot of those things through these lyrics. Um, and I, I actually really like the, you know, coming back to it now at the age that I am, I like a lot of Nikki's writing a lot more than I used to. Um, you know, it's very different to Richie's writing, which is so dense and almost mm. impersonal, some of it. But I like the more kind of universal, simplistic sort of lyrics. Yeah, I think I so far I've been enjoying to feel Nicky's more than Richie's. I would yeah, say, yeah, okay. yeah. They're they're more. Um, they're also more easily sung, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and easy to pick out as well. You know, um, really. Like also, they seem song. to be getting better at making the lyrics audible as well over the years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they've worked out how to use microphones. Well, they've got from the help of uh, yeah, little Russell, Mike. who would mic yeah. hedges when they're in the hedges. Would mic hedges, wouldn't he? Yeah. Uh, this next one really does like go back and forth 
for me on with with Ready for Drowning as being my favourite on the album. They're okay. they're almost neck and neck. I just love the instrumentation of um, Ready for Drowning so much, um, and I think this is one that Lucas is going to nothing. The next one, yeah. Well, Steve, remember, predicted this would be my favourite on the album. All right, so, so here we go. Let's see where it goes. Even what do you think this song's about? <laughs> <laughs> Even then, just listening to like a clip of it, I just got very inside my feelings. Um, How could you expect me to nothing that song? Okay, thank God. You Come hate on. it. I'm not a fucking <laughs> robot. Yeah. I'm not a monster of a man. Oh. I'm a mess of a man. Oh, there it is. Very nice. Uh, I think that that. What, but is it your favourite on the album, though, Lucas? It's not my favourite on the album, yeah, but it is among the best on the album. And it's it's, lovely. it's a really like just a great piece of work. So I've I've you know I've read some people who say that this song's really boring. Um, I don't think it can be. But I, then I think that those are, those are maybe the kind of people who don't necessarily pay attention to lyrics. Yeah, I guess so. Because it, I mean, but I mean, they're, they're, but they're very unavoidable. Like I'm not yeah, one of them. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not a lyricy person. But this song is musically very, very, very simple. But then imagine if you were even and less then it's engaged about... with lyrics, and you just and it was just a guy's voice, a guitar, and the kind of harmonica sort of sound that's in the background, and that was it. Mm. I could see why someone would say it's boring. Yeah, but then it's such a brave statement of a song. This is what. And 1998 as well. Very... Imagine one of the biggest bands of the time in the 90s singing from the perspective of someone who's struggling with their gender, gender identity. Um, I wonder how it was received um, back then. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm honestly not I mean, sure. it wasn't a single, I'm guessing, so I can't imagine it was it like... It wasn't a single. On, no, on right. Radio <laughs> 2. Absolutely no. correct about that. Um, I, I, it's, it's interesting that you say that uh, 
it was written from the perspectives of someone struggling with their gender identity. It is just Nicky talking about himself. Okay. Yeah, that surprised me when I read that. I didn't realise that it was about yeah. himself, which makes me now wish that he'd sung it, actually. I, I, I agree. Um, because apparently uh, James didn't like playing it live or singing it live because he felt quite uncomfortable because it was so personal. So personal and that almost Nikki. seems like the sort of song yeah. that I wish was just a Nicky song, and that'd be really nice. Yeah. And and James also talks about like having to kind of explain to people or interviewers and like treat them like children and be like, he's not gay, he's not a transvestite, and that Nicky felt that there wasn't a word to describe him, which today would I guess would be non binary. Something like that, like gender non binary. So, yeah. yeah. Um it's also brave from like the perspective that a lot of their fans are now sort of those laddish Oasis lads. Oasis yeah, I was lads. about to say that. Can you imagine them getting this album like, come on, let's have it. Yeah, oh, yeah exactly. Part life. And they, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and they played it. Um, they played it live a lot as well at the time. And James is really? is very pointedly not one of the androgynous members of the band. He is quite blokey, James. Yeah. So to have like you know a blokey kind of guy singing to the new blokey fans, how we wish he had been born a girl and not this mess of a man. Mm. Really brave, and, and yeah. like like you said, Lucas, for 1998 at the time, very brave, and and there's cool. lots of like amazing lyrics in there, and it's very cool, a very cool song. When I first heard it, I didn't hear "mess of a man." I heard "mass of a man," and I imagined mm. it being like a rugby bloke, yeah, like yeah. a yeah, mass of a man. Well, yeah. <laughs> but then again, but then again, isn't Nicky Wire like six foot three or something? So he it is, kind yeah. of still works. He's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he is—he's very androgynous though. He's, he, although he's tall, he is. Um, you know, quite uh, quite skinny and and has quite a feminine face. Um, I just think it's a beautiful song. It reminds me yeah. of um, uh, Hallelujah, the cover by Jeff Buckley. Oh yeah, I yeah I didn't realize I didn't realize that Nikki had any gender identity issues. I thought he just you know liked the dressing outrageously or outlandishly just for like effect you yeah. know sort of thing didn't yeah. realize it was actually very much so when i said earlier and you said about we'll talk about this later about the silly blue dress yeah and you exactly. said we'll get into this later yeah. when i talked about the silly blue dress i actually just meant even if it was a woman wearing that dress it's a silly it's dress silly. yeah yeah no, because I, it's no, see-through and camo i didn't, think, I didn't, think <laughs> I didn't mean he was silly to be wearing the dress <laughs> aren't you going to be wearing that sensitive at your wedding though lucas oh yeah I can't can you not spoil my wedding please sorry Invites well, haven't gone out yet to the listeners. <laughs> oh, uh, funny the enough, listeners. funny enough, my fiance has just entered the room to bring me a cup of tea, as I said about my wedding involving me. <laughs> Hi, Hannah. Hi, Hannah. She's Waving. wagging her finger and saying no at <laughs> me. Why are you bringing me a stick? Okay. She's wagging her finger at the idea of me wearing a see-through blue camo dress at our, our wedding. I think you'd look good. I think you look yeah, Nikki has always said that he feels uh, just sort of comfortable in in women's clothing a lot of the time, and that he would try on his his wife's stuff. And yeah, yeah. it's very just just a really good lyric and just a great song and really beautiful and uh, haunting. Yeah, this is a sad episode actually, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, would, I wouldn't say that song. I mean, it is sad. It is a sad song, I guess. But it's also it's just well, nice. it has that it's sense like of quite longing. a nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wish that I had been born into a different body. But it's not like a depressing. It's not sung in like a depressing way, like some of the other songs they've had. That's true, it's actually. It's just quite. It's just very sincere, is what it is. Yeah, it's, it's sincere, a very sincere and, and also song. It, it has like almost a, a liberating feel to it as well. 
of someone like finally being able to say something they've been wanting to say for a while. Yeah, maybe. because like I didn't know about any of this until I heard this song. So it's yeah. essentially like a bit of a coming out song in a sense. Oh, we're getting a lot of like um, things we agree on on this album. Songs that we like, yeah. songs that we don't like. Oh, God. I don't like it. I don't like us agreeing. <laughs> okay, well, let's play Be Natural. Let's, let's, let's hope the song that I think is a complete waste of fucking time, one of you loves then. All right, then. Okay, Be Natural. Um, sounds like it was lifted straight out of OK Computer for me. Um, this could be my other favourite track. Oh, interesting. Oh, I think I flip floppy floppy flop between the two. Can you not do that on camera, please? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's not floppy anymore. Um, you have to listen to this riff. Uh, no, it's great. I really like this track. song. And I, I um, hated it for a long time. Really? Yeah, and it ended up being the one that kind of unlocked the second half of this album for me and kind of yeah. Um, yeah. made me realise what it was, what they were kind of trying to do, this kind of spacey sort of prog kind of... It's got hints of Radiohead and even kind of hints of Muse on this song as well. Um, Lucas, you've got an expression that just tells me that you're dead inside. I, I, don't, I, don't, hear, <laughs> I don't hear any Muse in this song. Oh, that kind of... He, well, he's using... It's not, but it sounds like a whammy pedal. Um, where he's doing his octave up on the guitar and that, that kind of like space. If you think about songs like Space Dementia and stuff like that, um, there is... This Can we talk about Space Dementia for a minute? Yeah. There's <laughs> this kind of like airy, spacey, prog rock almost kind of feel to this song that I really like. Um, and then, of course, like we didn't even get to one of my favourite bits of the song because the structure of it is so weird. Let me, let me play a little, let me play a little cl clip. build up there just is really it just it just sounds like radiohead to me it could have come straight off of okay computer so i actually put in my notes that uh, everything from starbright onwards is better the song then oh, unlock that's when the song unlocks for me yeah I feel. yeah no i agree yeah because I, I you could i think when i originally heard it i spent the first two minutes of this song just being like well what yeah, the, it's all right what the fuck is this about yeah it's quite good and then when that unlocks it 
and and then you get the repetition of the first bit again afterwards the fir- that bit makes more sense knowing that it's mm. building up to that like release of a, yeah, of a it gets of a big and it gets good it gets uh, me gives me proper chills this song really i think this song <laughs> should end the album personally that's uh, what, what and and that's it and none of the no 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 no, 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 no. Oh, i right, just okay. mean uh, this song to me feels like a big outro song yeah 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 i see what you mean um I especially given actual... my opinions on the actual last song on this album <laughs> i'm oh, that's got to be your least favorite then isn't it? Yeah. um but uh, i i think it's a big it's like a big ending i think this would be a good album ender yeah, I'm big. Yeah. I'm big on album enders being big and album openers being big. I like. I like it when an album closer is quiet, yeah, like videotape on in Rainbows. I like both. Well, yeah, both have their place, but I just like the bookend of a big open and a big close. Mm. And that hypothetically, you a bit of a and that, yeah, you hypothetically, you could bookend. hypothetically you could open or close a gig with either of those two songs. Oh, it's you're talking like... about? Uh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> 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 so steve did this also kind of uh, i mean uh, sp- uh, you know to to um peel back the wizard's flesh yeah um we had a conversation where you said find the second half a bit boring and i said to yeah. you because sometimes we'll discuss uh before we record um and then one of us will chime in and say save it well yeah but then me and steve discuss <laughs> privately what <laughs> yeah. fuck off and i Cheers said the invite i said to <laughs> I said to Steve, "Be natural." Unlocked the second half for me. Did you have a similar yeah. experience? Exactly the same. Yeah. I um, cannot believe you had this conversation without me included. Shut up! The adults are talking. <laughs> what if it had had the same effect on me? Did it? Well, I wouldn't have. A, I wouldn't have been told to give it a, a second yeah, chance. But Lucas, you're um, you're a more uh, complete and independent person than Steve. Yeah, Steve, Steve doesn't need nudging Steve along with needs an opinion. That little bit of guidance. I need encouragement <laughs> yeah. to tell me what I feel. <laughs> just needs that little nudge in the right direction, and then he isn't then he's this off what on you think, Steve? Bit, and then he thinks, isn't this what you think? Yeah. Yes, it is. And then you think, oh, he's gone a bit too far away. You better just kind come, of come drag back him back here, in. Steve. Yeah. Um, yeah, it really like when I realised how great this song was, it made me not think the second half was boring anymore. Oh yes. Agreed. Yeah. yeah, that's exactly what happened to me when I revisited this album when I was a little bit older because I hadn't appreciated the second half of the album when I was younger. And yeah, I just think that this is an absolute, I guess, an absolute banger. If it picks you out of the fatigue of it, the end of the album as well, if you're not enjoying, then you need a good song to bring you back and then you might be more in the mood for the next song. Yeah, but then I was thinking about this, right? And if you look at the track listing, right, it goes, My Little Empire, I'm Not Working, You're Tender and You're Tired, Born a Girl, Be Natural. If you just take out I'm not working, the list of bangers just continues. It goes My Little Empire, uh, You're Tender and You're Tired, Born a Girl, Be Natural. Yeah. That's like an insane, That it just keeps the run going. I'm not working really does just kind of drag the album down a little bit, which is a shame. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously yeah. if you get rid of You Still Some right. From My Heart as well, which I'm sure is an opinion that everybody agrees with and is in no way controversial. <laughs> so Lucas, I think... This might be your favourite on the album, this next one. Big suggestion. Okay, am I right or am I wrong? It's either my favourite or my least favourite. Yeah, <laughs> I can see exactly what you mean. <laughs> All right, well, let's listen to Black Dog on My Shoulder. Let's flip a coin. It's a black dog on my shoulder again 
Breaking my neck and saying she's my friend Solitude, the one thing that I really miss Yes, my life is a compromise There's a black dog on my shoulder again I'm playing with this, but it's gone to my head It's obviously my favourite song on the album. Yeah, of course it is. It's them strings, isn't it? It's not just them strings, it's the drums. It's a tick, 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 It's just got a fun vibe. It's just a fun song. It is a fun song. I don't think it fits where they've put it. Ah, shut up, it's good. No, no, I think it's really good. I really like this song. But I think it needs to be in the front of the album. It's so much more immediate. This... When I said this listen, this album was a grower for me, yeah. this was a song that on the first listen, I was like, yeah, but this is a good fucking song, isn't it? <laughs> this is so Lucas's jam. I'm s- I've, Adam has got me pegged at this point. So, Adam knows exactly what I'll like, exactly what I'll dislike. Adam's pegging Lucas. I'm just pegging Lucas. He's just pegging right me. Right Every album he just pegs me. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, Steve, you hate this song. A lick in my neck. <laughs> I don't hate it. I don't hate this song. But then it's, it's got, just one it's of my got least, some really nice lyrics. Like, it is, as well. I like, would describe this song as cheeky. Yeah. It's such a cheeky little <laughs> song. Cheeky song. Oh, it's cheeky. Do you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of their cover of um, Raindrops Keep Falling on My yeah. Head. Yeah. It's got that yeah. same kind of like open feeling. Um, uh, it's about depression, I, which I yeah. really like, that it's so upbeat yeah. and it's about depression. Guess my life um, is a, a black compromise. Dog, a black dog's like an omen, isn't it? If you um, see like a... In this case, Black Dog is specifically how Winston Churchill referred to his manic depression. He would write write in his diary, the Black Dog is on my shoulder again. Wow. And it was just something that he had learned to live with, which is what I think Nicky is drawing a parallel with. You know, the the Black Dog's on my shoulder, it's licking my neck and uh, saying she's my friend. But I wonder if that's why Churchill got that phrase from, because I'm pretty sure. Oh yeah, could be. Yeah. Apparently, it was coined by Samuel Johnson. Ooh. Don't know who that is. No, don't know so. who that is. Uh, yeah, that, that'll be why he mentions Winston Churchill in the song then. Yes, Winston Churchill. It's just a jam, isn't it? Do you know what I really like? Um, that song, the the actual like song, 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 song that we just songed. Um, the the songs <laughs> when I song the songs that we songed. That that song is only about three and a half minutes long. But the song, the song song, is four minutes and 50 because the last like minute and a half is just completely different. And it's lovely. And it's really nice. And I'm oh, going to play a bit of it. Play oh, a bit yeah. of it. Really nice. Why do you think Lucas likes it? Uh, probably the strings. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Okay. 
Adam, you know I said how I have a bad habit of bringing up a, a really weird association oh, of an artist or a bit of music. Sake. Yeah, we've had something. Busted, Four Non Blondes, obviously Lighthouse Family. Maroon, Maroon 5. Lighthouse Family was Steve. Maroon 5, Muse. Maroon <laughs> Coldplay. Uh, right. Go on then, what you know is this what, sound this, like? this, this, this end stringy Gary bit makes Glitter. me, reminds me of. No, 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 <laughs> it's not an artist. It's not a musical artist. <laughs> what? No, no, no. It's not a musical artist. It's a TV show. Is it morphed? It's it a TV show. You of Actually, you say I'm weird. You compared something to Due South. Does right? it remind you of A Warm Summer's Day? No, no. Warm, it reminds me of a TV show. And I'll tell you what TV show it is. Yeah. Is it Zap? It's Thunderbirds. Okay. What? <laughs> right. It makes me think of Thunderbirds. Okay. Oh, that's it. That's the end of that, is it? All right. right. Then. So, <laughs> do you know? Okay. So what's the next track? Thunderbirds. One of my all-time favourite TV shows. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with it. Yeah, right? I've got it all. I've got all this. I've got, all this, I've got a little box set sitting right up here. Yeah, love it. And every time there was a bit where they were in like a a a, a social situation, let's say a little little wine bar, a little cocktail, whatever. Mm. Lady Penelope was involved. Let's say they always had like stringy music playing, and I don't know what genre you'd call it. Lounge but it was music. Lounge music, there you go. It's a little bit yeah. of lounge it music. It is a bit and, loungy. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and, yeah. and Thunderbirds always had lounge music on in the background when they weren't, like, busy saving the day, obviously. Sure. And it, immediately when I heard that, I was like, it's nice things to think of Thunderbirds. Yeah, fair enough. I always which preferred is right, Captain which again, Scarlet. Nostal- I mean, Thunderbirds is better than Captain Scarlet, and I'll fight anyone who says Oh, Captain Scarlet's way better. Captain Scarlet is very good. I mean, it's up there. Dun, but- dun, 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 dun. Just those edits uh, are yeah. spot on. <laughs> also, uh, technically speaking, a far better show because they miniaturise the puppets' oh, heads and so they yeah. don't have the big caricature heads in Captain Scarlet. They do in Thunderbirds. Why is that? Because the te- technology it, caught up. The technology had upgraded. So the, 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 the mouth lip sync technology, they'd managed to shrink so they didn't have to look like caricatures anymore. The thing that I didn't realise until I um, watched it in my later years was that they have human hands. Yeah. What? When it's, yeah, well, when every it's time close-ups there's... of hands, oh, it's a human Because hand. they don't yeah. want to have a puppet just like... Not yeah. move, and so they'd zoom but in on a person, just like pick the, up a bottle of wine. But there's or a terrifying tangent to that, which is the Swedish chef from the Muppets, <laughs> <laughs> who, who is completely a puppet apart from his hands, and it's and yeah. he's got rings on. I think uh, terrifying, which is creepy. Another thing is that you'll never see in Captain Scarlet or Thunderbirds or any of those shows. Uh, you'll never see them walk. Because otherwise you have the Team America mm. where they're just like bouncing. Well, there's and lots so of there's always lots be of sitting. things that you don't see in Thunderbirds. They're in vehicles. <laughs> Don't see any tits in Thunderbirds. <laughs> the bonus features of the box that I've got, actually. Oh, There's really? Some, yeah. Okay. Some Let's move on scenes. from Thunderbirds. I reckon. I reckon <laughs> no, I'm really, let, can we do a bonus episode on the Thunderbirds, please? <laughs> Let's move on from Captain Scarlet's tits. <laughs> Oh. 
Nobody Loved You. And I loved that. Yeah, I think that's really good. It opens with a ripping guitar solo. Yeah. It's great. I think that should... I think that that is a much more successful version of You Stole the Sun From My Heart. Okay. Same. Sorry, did you just... Did you play a song? Oh, God. Go on, Lucas. Oh, I guess I just didn't... This is, a, this is a nothing I get, song for you. I guess I just nothinged it then. Oh, uh, that is okay. such a well, bad opinion. I mean, I know... It, uh, uh, on the previous episode, I think it was mentioned offhand that uh, this episode was removed from a remastered version of this album. It was, yeah. This song. So was So they removed. agree with me. This song's nothing. <laughs> well, so actually, the, uh, the, ba- the band agree with me, so I'm right. Um, so this song actually, is nothing. The reason that they removed it is because this lyric is directly about Richie, um, and is the way that kind of Nicky felt um, about Richie at the time, and they removed it because they think the lyric is no longer accurate. So it's not like they didn't like the song. It's that nah, they don't that's, feel that's that what, it. Nah, that's what they're saying. That's what they're saying. But okay, I know their truth. Okay, <laughs> that's why the album's called "This Is My Truth." Tell me yours, because I know their truth, and the truth is the reason that they cut this song <laughs> was because it's not very good. I think this needs to replace "You Stole the Sun." I think this needs to go up at the front. I think I think mm. it's a much much more um, interesting version of the quiet, loud dynamic. I think the lyrics are better, and I think the guitar in the verses is is much much better. Um, and it's very good. And aside from that, I don't think that when you're remastering an album, you should fuck around with the track list anyway. I totally agree. It seems no, really I, quite, I, I, agree I don't with think that. you should George Lucas these things. Do you know what they replaced it with? Uh, the Masters Against the Classes. No, they replaced it with Prologue to History. Oh, no, I mean, one out of two of the two B-sides I think I've heard. That, I think that Prologue to History is a better song than this, but I don't think yep. Prologue to History fits on the album at all. Right. And especially not plopped in at track number 12. Yeah. I think Prologue to History, if, if you're going to put it anywhere, it opens the album. Yeah. But we will we will get on to Prologue to History. Um, yeah. Shall we move <laughs> on to... Well, it shows that that's a pretty nothing song because we did. You two did not talk about that song for very long. Uh, Steve, I like it. Do you like it? I really like it. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It's that's, a fairly... that's had the shortest amount of play, and I think it's because it's boring. And, and oh, nothing wrong. to do with the fact that we're all, we're already two hours and twenty minutes in. Yeah. Are we really yeah. two hours? And... No, no, no. That's just our recording length. It's the not, episode's gone on for. Shut up. We have not been going for two hours and twenty minutes, we have. have we? Yeah. Two seventeen. Um, oh Christ. Let's move on to the song. That I think it again jockeys for my least favourite with You Stole the Sun and I'm not working. Sim S Y M M, however you pronounce it. Uh-huh. 
right, that song is so long, so I'm just I'm gonna gonna fade it out there. Yeah. Um, thoughts on this song, please, lads. Uh, I just uh, couldn't get into this one. It's just um, it dreary. And I think this does the dreary slow thing better than uh, whichever one the other one we're talking about. Musically was. speaking, there's some very interesting stuff going on there. I I quite like this song. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't love it. I don't, but yeah, I don't, quite I don't like dislike it. I just, I just. It, is it the end I of the album? I strongly dislike it. it. Really. Um, I also like that it's really meta, which I quite enjoy. That's the thing I really dislike about it. Okay, it's well, a let's... song that's about the song. Yeah, which is yeah, quite that's cool. what I don't like about it. Right, let's get into the context uh, of this song, or the subtext of the song, as 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 the lyrics say. You, do you guys know about the about the Hillsborough disaster? Yes. Yes. Do you want some background on it anyway? Uh, yeah. I mean, just say anyway, just for the audience. Okay, so on April 15th, 1989, there was a football match at Hillsborough Stadium, uh, which is in Sheffield, between Liverpool and Nottingham Forest. And to ease overcrowding outside of the stadium's turnstiles, the police match commander, David Duckenfield, ordered the opening of Exit C, which resulted in overcrowding in the two standing-only pens for the Liverpool supporters. There was a crush, and 96 people died. 766 people were injured. Uh, following the incident, the South Yorkshire Police fed the press false stories that hooliganism and drunkenness by Liverpool supporters had caused the disaster, and the blaming of Liverpool fans continued even after the Taylor report of 1990 uh, found that the main cause was failure of control from the South Yorkshire Police. The first coroner's inquest, completed in 1991, ruled all deaths accidental, and the families of the victims rejected these findings and fought to have the case reopened which it was in 2009. Uh, and that inquest came to the same conclusion as the Taylor report and prompted two new coroner's inquests. And in 2016, all the way in 2016, these findings were that the, support, uh, the uh, supporters were unlawfully killed due to the gross negligence of police and ambulance services and the design of the stadium. Uh, in June 2017, six people were charged with offences, including manslaughter by gross negligence, misconduct in public office and perverting the course of justice for their actions during and after the disaster um it was quite a controversial song uh when it came out um obviously s-y-m-m stands for south yorkshire mass murderer yeah um in reference to the person who made the decision to i, th I think made the decision to open exit c uh but for me, this song really doesn't go far enough. Okay. To be honest, also the song is about the song. Yeah. I mean, it gave the song is about how he's written a song about it. Yeah. But it did make. But also, me a good, they've never done that. It before. gave me a good little giggle that we talk about the context, and he's going the context of this song. <laughs> like, nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, also quickly, don't buy the we, sun. Um, carry on. Yeah, of course. Um, We've had many songs about things it's nice to have a bit of a change which is a song about a song yeah but then the song like actually says like the ending for this song well i haven't really thought of one well <laughs> are you gonna say then don't write it yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. come back to us when you have yeah no nah, i quite like it okay uh, it just nothings me yeah i gotta be honest I gotta be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Musically, it's just it's just it's it does the like it's the it's the ambient, borderline ambient thing of whatever song we we're talking about earlier. I can't remember what song it was now. Uh, was it "I'm Not Working"? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, which obviously I'd, is boring. I like shit. it musically. It just 
I find I find the the melody really grating, to be honest, and I find the lyrical content a bit difficult to get past. Um, and I th- yeah, mm. yeah. I mean, yeah. And I also just think it's I think the album ends on a bit of a meh. yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a yeah, right. Yeah, which that's why I would personally change around the track list completely and oh. have uh, I would. Be natural at the end. Yeah, so I would get rid of Nobody Loved You. Wrong. Uh, and Wrong. I would have South, South Wrong. Yorkshire, S-Y-M-M. I would Wrong. have that, I don't know, somewhere maybe... Second. Maybe... <laughs> <laughs> Open. Maybe, uh, maybe like, before or after Born a Girl, and then you've got, like, a nice, oh, like... This is a fascinating then, bit of podcasting, isn't it? Then you've got, like, a black dog on my shoulder, be natural ending, should we do? Should we do scores? Yeah. Should we do scores and favourite tracks? Okay. Um, Steve, why don't you go first, mate? Seven. <sighs> out of is ten. Is that your... No, what no, did no, you out give... Out oh. of 53. Oh. That's a really bad what did you? What did you give um, Everything Must Go Again? Seven. So you think this is on par? With yeah, for different reasons okay. again. Yeah, um, but I really enjoyed it. Once you said, like, once it unlocked for me. Once Adam told you what opinion once to have, Adam, you had it. When Adam <laughs> told me opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Um, uh, yeah, I ended up really liking it and really liking the second half. I think, yeah, I just uh, I'd lose some marks on, like, yeah, the dreariness of the last song. Or it's a bit long. And, and the yeah. length, yeah. Um yeah, if they just trimmed "Nobody Loved You" and "I'm Not Working," it'd be a much nicer sure. length. Yeah, no, I can I can see that argument completely. So, and the see favorite are, tracks. Yeah, favorite tracks are um, I'm discounting "Tolerate" and "You Stole," sure, uh, because those to me just exist on different plane. Um, yeah. Tsunami and Be Natural. Cool, Lucas. Favourite tracks are oh, Black really Dog on My Shoulder. Makes us wait for that Yeah, I've written it all down Black. in advance. I don't know if you... Oh, I don't... No, no, me, Adam yeah. doesn't either. We Lucas and I don't write down our scores until after we've had this discussion. And I haven't even thought of my score now. Right, okay. I still don't have the score in my head. Favourite anyway, tracks? Best songs, Black Dog on My Shoulder and Born a Girl. Okay, cool. Wow, both from the second half. That's really interesting. Cool. Um, least favourite? Least favourite is I'm Not Working... Nobody loved you because those songs are nothing. All right, what's your score? Now, we said we were going to relitigate. Why are you saying okay. there's a debate about my score? Well, because what you said about everything must go is that um, if, if you were taking eight. into... Yeah, you t- gave it an eight, but if you were taking it into the context of all music, you'd give it a seven. And you've adjusted your scores for the first three albums to take into account all music, and you've gone four, five, four. So are you asking me to definitively decide to stick with one of them? Which means everything must go must be a seven. In which, so if we're saying it's four for Generation Terrorists, five for Gold Against the Soul, and four, four for, the for the Holy, Holy Bible. Bible, and seven for Everything, for must, everything go. must Go, yeah. then I would give this a six. Oh, very nice. Yeah. But I... Typically, you rate quite low, so I'm counting that as a nine. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, I will. Wait, write that's that because down we're doing this cause now that I've gotten so obsessed with the concept of I don't want, I don't want to. I just hate is, scoring. I know you hate scoring, but that is actually that's quite a positive score. This is an album that generally you quite like. Yeah, and I'm doesn't go to the highs of everything. Must go. But a handful of these tracks have maybe found their way into your shuffle or whatever. 
Yeah. Yeah. Great. I mean, at the end, at the end of all of this, there will be, I imagine, like a, a thirty-track-long manix yeah. yeah. shuffle that I have. It depends I how much good stuff going... there is to come. Okay, my favorite tracks are probably "Born a Girl" and "Ready for Drowning." And my least favorites are probably SYMM and I'm Not Working. And uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. I think that it is really strong in a lot of places, but quite weak in others. But it's an album that has grown with me kind of over time. Um, But it's not one that I really ever kind of put on to listen to all the way through. Because I do think that some of it is a bit of a a slog to get through. What did you give Everything Must Go? 10. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> why am i surprised <laughs> so actually the only overlap in favorite songs there was me and adam both picking born a girl yeah yeah the rest were all completely different from one another which is interesting we are two and a half hours in but we do have a lot to get through what surely there's nothing left oh we've got oh, two, we've more, got songs. two more songs mate. three hour episode three hour episode three hour episode three hour oh yeah oh four more years Four more years. No? Of what? I don't know. Oh. I just heard that being chanted. And What's the next one? <laughs> okay, so Prologue <laughs> to History um, is the B-side to If You Tolerate This. Um, and a lot of people think it should be included on the album. The reason I'm including it here is because it was included on the remastered album. So let's have a little listen uh, to... Where in the, re- re- where the, where in the was, remasters album it was, was on it Instead of Nobody Loved You and they oh, just such a better it. song it is a better song but they just plopped it right there so Prologue to History is between Black Dog on My Shoulder and S.Y.M.M. speaking of plopping it right there I'm very excited to hear Toilet Gate alright Prologue to History song yeah, doesn't song. fit on this is my truth at all yeah but it's a better song though isn't it it sounds like the happy mondays it's got like that 90s baggy sort of uh yeah, dance that's what it is yep to it. thank you um yeah. is a poet who can't play guitar richie edwards yeah or nicky neither of them could really work or like were uh musically adept but uh but they did write the lyrics i mean there's loads of references and uh, this this kind of reads like um like Nikki's trying to write a Richie lyric a little bit, like just from 
the number of references and stuff there there are. There's speaking of Happy Mondays, he says, "Do I think I'm Sean William Ryder, who is the front man of Happy Mondays?" Um, Neil Kinnock, were we the Kinnock factor? Is a Welsh politician, former leader of the Labour Party. My former friend, who's now undercover, could be referring to Richie. Um, Steve Ovet is a middle distance runner. These are all um, uh, the 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 sports people are all prominent, like Welsh athletes as well. Um, he named checks Dyson. He named checks tax exempt special savings accounts. We he love does Dyson because he loves Hoover. He loves Hoover, yeah. yeah. He does. That's a different brand. Uh, check out the Texas oh, and the pensions. I see he did that. And Phil Bennett is uh, an outside half, plays uh, is a Welsh rugby player. Um, so I think this is like this is a distillation of Nicky Wire. It just okay. takes in all aspects of his life, like sport and history and himself and how like. Oh, he likes football, doesn't he? He's yeah, a football rugby. fan because yeah. he plays in the like yearly charity celebs against. Um, Does he? Does he? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Isn't there like a yearly? Uh, it's like there is. Yeah, professional footballers versus celebs, and there's like certain people that are always in it. Oh, I didn't think Nicky Wire sure. was one. I'm of pretty though. sure Nicky Wire has been in that before. Not with his knees, surely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure Nicky Wire has been in that. As I'm sure, as I'm pretty sure, has Robbie Williams, Nicky Wire's biggest fan. I'm, oh, that video is so nice. It's the best thing. Again, yeah, and I've I've put it out on Twitter, but Robbie Williams, if you are listening, Which and I think that you are, yeah, yeah. Um, please come on the podcast. That'd yeah. be good. We'll do Rude Box in its entirety. Can we cover Escapology? Yeah, sure. What do you guys think of this song? Um, I it's li- fun. I like it. I definitely don't think it fits on the album at all. No. So I, I, I was actually think. really annoyed that they got rid of Nobody Loved You and stuck this on instead. It just doesn't and fit. Steve, yeah. spoilers, don't look it up what they do. They do it to Send Away the Tigers as well. Sorry. They take off a track of Send Away the Tigers and put another one on there. And again, they put it in a really awkward position don't to the like album it. Don't like where that. that song shouldn't fit. They shouldn't do that. Yeah. No, it's awful. Really um, the best album ever recorded. But I think that this is a really good song and um, it is a shame that it's a B-side. Maybe it should have been a standalone single or something. It's nice it's going back to kind of, it's a bit more shouty and a bit more punky kind of vibes. Yeah, but then you say like it's going back to, like there was some of that on Everything Must Go and this was one of the first things people heard after Everything Must Go. This is true. Because it was on um, was on the old If You Tolerate This, Your Children Will Be Next Thing. I just hate that they put it on. Uh, this is my truth on the remaster. Just dislike it. And Just we'll have it as a bonus track if they're going to do that for whatever yeah, reason. Yeah, exactly. And they put all the B sides on the remaster as well. Just ha- just have it with the have it with the. What are you doing? It's just like revisionist history, isn't it? I don't like it. I do mm. not like it. Anyway, it's like George Lucas. Speaking what? of speaking of history, let's move on to the history p- section. The album sold incredibly well. Um, although it got some lukewarm reviews, which I think it might have done anyway, just because of the oversaturation of the Manics after everything must go. It went to number one. They went on tour. They toured like small venues and weird cities that they hadn't played in before. Um, the tour was a bit business as usual from everything must go. They had definitely toned themselves down when compared to like their raucous early days. Um, although Wire was doing things like pouring bottles of champagne over his head. Uh, the, the weeks around the release of this album were like a big fucking deal, a big honking deal. Um, uh, there were documentaries about the Manics on TV. MTV devoted a whole day to the Manic Street Preachers. Um, obviously, if you tolerate this, was a huge hit. Um, the Everlasting was released as a single. That hit number 11. 
That was in November. They did their classic Christmas tour, which included three nights at Cardiff Arena and two nights at Wembley Arena. So, you know, pretty big gigs for Manix at this point. They're now like an arena band. Um, and around that time, they also announced their biggest ever gig, which was going to be for... It was going to be on Millennium Eve, so New Year's Eve 1999 into the year 2000, and it was going to be at uh, Cardiff Millennium Stadium, their biggest gig to date, 60,000 people, and it was 30 quid a ticket, which is very reasonable. Mm, yes. They won you know, stuff at the Q Awards, like Best Act in the World Today and Best Album. They won the Brit Awards again for British Album and British Group. They released You Stole the Sun From My Heart in uh, March 1999 which went to number five, and they are now just a huge band. You know, having spent 10 years as outsiders, they are now firmly a part of the establishment, as it were, which is not very punk, to be honest. It, you know, it's miles away from where they started. And in fact, in June 1999, they headlined Glastonbury, which is obviously a festival that uh, we quite like. Yeah. Uh, Mad What's it called? Glastonbury. 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 What's that? Is it? Where's that? What? It's near Glastonbury. What's well, in Pilton? Uh, the set that they play, you can watch some of it on uh, on YouTube. Is unremarkable. Is it quite a well-known festival? Yeah, it's yeah. It's unremarkable. You've been to it, Lucas. The, they seem a bit sort of not very Have engaged I? and are just kind of uh, going through the motions on it. But the one thing that people often remember from the Mannix headline in Glastonbury is Toilet Gate. Oh, I can't wait Ooh, to hear yes. this story. The last episode you teased <laughs> us. Now, have either of you heard about Toilet Gate? Oh, yes, because in the last episode you teased us for But it. that's all you've ever heard, because I actually All knew I about know is there's a toilet gate. Is I it, knew about this. To, I, my, maybe I do. Go on, see is if you can struggle through your memory. Yeah, it and is. So, yeah. And someone had their own private portaloo? Well, it was the Mannix. Okay. <laughs> the Mannix had brought their own portaloo and put up a sign saying, these facilities are reserved exclusively for the Mannix Street Preachers, um, which Billy Bragg had a massive problem with. And actually, there's quite a funny clip in the Glastonbury documentary of Joe Strummer, one of the Mannix musical heroes from The Clash, making fun of them, which I imagine wow. probably is devastating yeah. to see. Um, here's what Billy Bragg had to say. Do you guys know Billy Bragg? Yeah, he's I a, know of him. like a political folk artist, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, has has much in common politically with the Mannix. Um, he says, maybe that was the thing that bugged me, that the Mannix were doing this against the spirit of Glastonbury, that it was contrary to the band's professed ideals didn't surprise me, as it seems like it's been a while since they thought about what their politics are now. If Nicky Wire has anything to say about that aspect of their current behaviour, rather than just shooting his mouth off about how hurt his pride is, then I would be happy to have a discussion with him about walking it like you talk it. Oof. So I think that the general perception of the Manics is that they had just become the mainstream and a bit lame, and were doing things like bringing their own toilet. Yeah to Glastonbury. I mean, I've never really considered where the headline acts of Glastonbury shit, but do, I was, I'm, su I'm surprised they have put, I would have thought that, you know, I would have thought the headline acts have like plumbed 
toilets yeah, m- m- in a building and sons somewhere. Once did a massive shit when they're headlining. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. Festival. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm surprised that a headline act needs a portaloo. Well, of course they do. They're in the middle of a. Well, farm. I would have thought they just they'd like plumb in like a bet, not all the way no. back to like, but you know, no. they'd have a better. You know, like when you go to a festival and there's like the luxury toilets that you pay three quid to go in, and they're they like don't a bit have nicer. Those at Glastonbury. Well, I would have thought the headline acts would get them. Well, they don't. But Mannix did bring their own, which is lame. Each? Each? Or they all no, shared No, there it? was just one. They did share. Oh, that's nice of them. Yeah. Just after Glastonbury, Tsunami is released as a single. The last single from this album, actually. And it gets to number 11. Um, now, I bring up Toilet Gate because, one, it's quite funny. It is quite funny, isn't it? And, two, I actually think it's the moment that they decided to kind of blow up their career and become a little bit more confrontational again. Nicky Wire hadn't shouted anything from the stage for like a few years at this point, four or five years. However, when they they, uh, headlined V Festival in August 1999, he had this to say to Billy Bragg from the stage. This is for Billy Bragg. I wouldn't let him piss in my toilet for all the money in the world. Get back to the army, you dickhead and stop stealing Woody Guthrie's songs. And then at the end of the set, for the first time in forever, they smashed up their instruments again. Wonderful. Ah, oh, that's nice. Yeah, so they, I think, Is I that think a... at this point, they've kind of almost had to look in the mirror and think, oh my God, are we the, the lame mainstream band now? So after they kind of smash up their instruments at V Festival, and it feels like the, you know, the... Naughty, the naughty little punk boys about. Oh, the naughty little punk boys. Oh, they're such naughty little punk boys. Grab them by the scruff of the balls. They play... The what? The scruff of the they... balls? <laughs> we, we said that earlier. It was a they play ball their ball. biggest ever gig on December 31st, 1999, um, which we will cover in a bonus episode. Oh, we're going to do what we did with everything live. And then on January... Bonus! No? January the 10th, 2000, uh, they release uh, the masses against the classes. The country was founded on the principle that the primary role of government is to protect property from the majority. Uh, And so it remains. Love it. Delta. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. this was released as a standalone single. Okay. Um, and it really is the return of the naughty little punk boys. Well, it says hello, it sounds, it's us again. 
it exactly. also sounds. I mean, it literally sounds like something I think off of uh, the EP. Yep, that's why yeah, I had it done. does. Yeah, but good. I've, yeah, but not shit. It, it, it's basically. got the kind of upfront and like punky attitude of, of stuff like Generation Terrorist and stuff from from uh, New Art Riot. But it has the production value of like Gold Against the Soul, mm-hmm. yeah. where it has that like dynamic where it goes quiet after the chorus. Yeah. Like it has that more interesting dynamic. And I just think I think it's really great. And it was really nice to hear them like return to that. But also, aside from the song, the release was full of cheeky little punk boy nonsense. Oh, was naughty it? boys. So the song is about um, they released this as a single at the height of their fame here, at like the height of their powers. The song is about socialism as well as being about them as a band. The cover art is the Cuban flag, which was a socialist state. So it's kind of a return to their socia- socialist roots, maybe a, a reaction to Billy Bragg and Toilet Gate. Um, but also, the single was available for less than 24 hours because they deleted it on the day of its release. Yeah, so I read this. What do they mean by they deleted it? Yeah, how does that work? They, they just, it went out of print immediately. They never right. made any more. So the they ones printed that went, them. The ones that went out to um, the shops were the only ones available. Wow, okay. And then they literally erased it from any recording desks and stuff. Well, no, they must have had like master files. No, they have masters, but they, they deleted the, the CD single and the vinyl. And it, Deleted is probably the wrong word. They stopped printing. Well, yeah, but that is the actual word for it. They deleted it. But it still reached number one. Really? This was this is their second and last number one single. This was number one in what year? In 2000. It was the first huh. number one of the new millennium. Oh, great. I'm shocked by that. Yeah. It's yeah. cool. That is very cool. Yeah. Uh, especially when you think that it opens with a quote from uh, Noam Chomsky who was a, a linguist and a cognitive scientist and philosopher and historian and social critic and political commentator um, talking about how the primary role of the government is to protect property from the majority. And it's kind of an abrasive song. And it has that dual meaning lyric, which is, um, it's not entirely like cut and dry, whether the us means the band or yeah. us means the people. Ooh. Because classes, in this case, refers to the ruling class, like politicians and royalty. So it's the masses of the people against the classes, the ruling class. The masses against the classes. Oh, God. Do you know you, know you have that thing about Quiff? Yeah. And, um, and the Welsh accent that you hate. I do not. I'm just uh, gonna well, go. that's what you said <laughs> earlier. I did not. Yeah, I th- yeah that's what you said earlier. Oh, fuck's sake. Um, <laughs> I am for the record that was a joke. Yeah, thanks. Um he he in the chorus he says masses. Oh he does. But then says but he says classes. He says classes. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he could have rhymed. Yeah. It could have been a rhyme. He did it deliberately to annoy me, I think. Yeah, just you. Yeah. Well, they said this album, this this song was like about being abrasive. They knew. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But so like you know the, the the lyrics being like um uh success is an ugly word uh, especially in your tiny world could be referring to the ruling class or it could be referring to them as a band and them being bored of their success or wanting to get away from it or people having a go at them for being successful exactly. like billy yeah billy gate yeah billy gate billy, billy Bill- gates gruff <laughs> <laughs> I just really like it, and um, uh, you know, even the title "The Masses Against the Classes" is 
uh, a quote from William Gladstone, the 19th century British prime minister. And it's just nice that they're kind of bringing that back into like their music at, at that point and they want to be a bit confrontational and literary yeah. and and uh, obviously the the quote at the end, which is an Albert Camus quote from his book, The Rebel, which I know, Steve, uh, is not your most favourite bit of the song. Crown! A slave begins by demanding justice and ends by wanting to wear a crown. That is my favourite bit of the whole song. I love that so much. I love it. I love the way it goes, crown! Yeah, I absolutely so love good. it. I really like the distortion on the vocals across the whole track. Yeah, I got so much time for that. Yeah. So you guys like this song? Yeah, a lot. I had no idea it was number one. Cool. I'm learning lots. I yeah. like it, but if you're going to say the next album is lots of this, I don't know if that will hold up for a whole album. It is a hint at what's to come. But it isn't, it certainly not, doesn't cover everything that is to come. Right. I don't want them to just go back to Generation Terrorists and just like stick with it. Okay. Because I like the strings and the anthems. Interesting. I'm really looking forward to It's Know Your Enemy, right? The next one. It's Know Your Enemy. Because I don't know that album at all. Like I've heard Mm. a lot of stuff off the ones we've talked about so far. This is totally new for me. So I'm excited. So you haven't heard Ocean Spray or. That's called Ocean Drive, Adam. So why so sad or found that soul? You haven't heard anything like that. I don't think so. No. Interesting. Found that okay. soul rings a bell. Maybe I don't know. Mm. Exciting. Lucas, this what are you expecting from the next album? Well, now, uh, Generation Terrorists two point but with a bit more of a better, produ- you know, ah, not Generation okay. Terrorists, but you know, a bit more of this. Okay. But I hope not. I, I like, you know, the songs that I like are clearly a bit more. They're clearly going to lean way back into the. The politics, I think, and the quotes yeah. and the slogan. Interesting. I reckon. Okay, well, expect your playlist presently. Mm. And thank you for doing this. This has been one of our shortest episodes ever. Yeah. How long is it now? Three We're hours? Two hours and 50 minutes. Still not as long what? as Generation Terrorists. So- so sorry for not um, <laughs> not really going in depth on, on stuff or talking a lot on this episode. It's a bit of a short one. We'll make it up on the next one. And sorry for not splitting it into two episodes because I'm fed <laughs> up of splitting things into two episodes. Three hours. Well, this is two episodes though because obviously we've got our interview with Neil and the next oh. one will be two episodes as well. Because Why? Believe, well, because it's quite long, but also we have another guest who I'm very excited about. But the next episode that you guys... Is it Paul McCartney? Yes. But the next episode that you guys will hear is our bonus episode on um, the DVD, Leaving the 20th Century, which is a document of their New Year's Eve gig uh, for the the millennium. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you again. Um, Thank you all for listening to us talk for a long time. And uh, you can join the conversation. I want all opinions on Know Your Enemy, please. Um, And all opinions on Steve. Yeah, Yeah, just really get into the nitty gritty of Steve. Yeah. 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 The best Um, member of the podcast. You can get hold of us on Twitter, at Mannix Podcast. You can get hold of us on Instagram, at Mannix Podcast. And you can uh, email us um, by emailing mannixpodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and that is it. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks, guys. Um, and I wonder remember, how many people have managed this full length. Oh, it's going to take numerous things. But anyway, mm. remember that uh, a, a slave begins by demanding justice and ends by wanting to wear a crown. We live in heaven, hell, and we destroy rock and roll. Bye. Crown!